You can't handle the truth. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! <laughs> You're gonna need a bigger boat. Get away from her, you bitch! The first rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. To infinity and beyond! Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Hi, and welcome to the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I'm Manny Manuel. And I am Emma Marion. What? <laughs> you know, that joke gets funnier every time we do it. I agree. I agree 100%. Emma, how are you doing? What's going on? I am doing so good. Thank are you, you for having me. Are you excited? Are you pumped? Are you nervous? Are you All of the above. All of is the that above. an option? Yes, it is an option. It an is an option. It's always option <laughs> D. It's usually the right option, yeah, too, yeah. on well, most tests. Then D, it is. <laughs> so we've had this sort of in the works for a while now, right? Yeah, like, we have. I invited you, or we invited you probably back like a month, month and a half ago to come on the show. I and... think it was actually a little bit longer than that, but we Gosh. couldn't we couldn't really fit her into our schedule until around here. I mean, yeah. Emma's also a busy little beaver. I like, am she, a busy little beaver. Her education's important, yes, apparently. Comes first. What? <laughs> <laughs> apparently more important than the best form of media there is, podcasting. Hey, you know what? I made it here. This is a priority now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I am here right now. That's true. And we're very excited to have you here. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, we're, we're going to get to know you in a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. Manny, before we start, do you want to let the people know where they can find us on social media? Hell yeah. Uh, you can definitely uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, probably anywhere else you get your podcasts. I should probably check out what other podcast distributors that we're a part of. But we, the big three, we're definitely on. You can definitely find us on there. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. If you give us a five-star rating and give us a little write-up, uh, we'll increase our profile and allow more people to find this lovely little podcast we have going on here. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. And you can follow us on Facebook as well. If you want to get super old school, which is sad that its email is considered old school instead of actually writing us a letter, you can contact us at sammanymoviepodcast at gmail.com i don't people our age don't even really use email anymore i honestly. know it's the first app i downloaded on my new phone it was mail, <laughs> mail. <laughs> okay i stand corrected emma is also a, a 20 or a, a six-year-old woman in the body of a 20 year old so, yeah, yeah pretty much <laughs> nice an old soul yeah exactly we're gonna so, get along uh, great we're, we're we're going to allow people. Oh, you know what? I, I totally forgot to say. I we even set this up beforehand, and I fucked it up. But yeah. <laughs> uh, for those of you who are interested, dear fans, uh, Manny and I did record our review of uh, the series finale of Game of Thrones, which premiered this past Sunday. We're gonna have that coming up after our uh, our episode with Emma, where we're gonna be talking about the Truman Show, which is awesome. Uh, but if you're interested, stay tuned, and we have uh, a lot of things to say about the finale of Game of Thrones, don't we, Manny? Sure do. We definitely went on pretty long. I think it was like an hour long, right? Yeah, it's about an hour long. <laughs> I apologize. Everyone's clicking the runtime on this video, and they're like, holy fuck, it's like a three-hour episode. I'm like, no, not really. <laughs> Manny and I just ramble for, you know, as long as we tend to. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure anybody that listens to this episode is fully aware of of uh, our ramblings and how long we tend to go on. Exactly. As Emma is becoming aware as we speak. Hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're still here. Yeah. Oh, hey, Emma. How's it going? 
so uh, I guess we'll help the people get to know you uh, in you know in the way that I have over the last year. So you and I have known each other for about a year now. We've about. worked together. Aww. So wh why don't you give uh, look at how you two stuff. lovingly gaze at each other? It's so adorable. Aww. <laughs> we're, we're, we're BFFs. We're besties, Manny. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> So uh, why don't you just at least give us a brief bio. Who are you? What the hell are you doing in my apartment right now? Oh my gosh. Well, I work with Sam, so that's the first thing to know. Um, I live here in Calgary. I'm a communications major and university and also a film minor. So I guess that this is something that's pretty interesting about You and me. I are going to be very good friends. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> Awesome. Well, so, yeah. uh, so we do have a couple questions lined up for All you. Right, let's do um, that. So why don't you tell us at least a, a few of your favorite movies? Some of my favorite movies. Well, I love The Mask. I know that you're gonna make a face at that, but I love The Mask. <laughs> that um, was that was the first thing we talked about before we even got on air. I knew that was gonna be a point I know, of contention. I was, like, oh. I, I was waiting for that. Um, another one of my favorites is The Florida Project. I'm not sure if either of you have seen that. But I haven't. I think you have right now. Such no. a good movie. You haven't? Still you haven't need seen to it. Check it out. It's such a good movie. It's told from such an interesting perspective. Um, I also really love like anything Charlie Chaplin. Big fan of Charlie Chaplin. Oh, you and Charles are gonna get along. Oh, <laughs> we gotta have favorite. like a group get together with all the guests. Yeah, that'll be so much fun. Have like a panel and do like a Chaplin episode. Let's please, please. <laughs> Honestly, I think my favorite one is The Kid. So uh -huh. if you're gonna check out any, do that one. That's a good one. Okay, it's an upcoming movie night yeah. right there. For yeah, us. please. <laughs> so there's a couple. Okay. Um, sorry, my phone's locked. And That's all. okay, bro. <laughs> um, are there any movies that you particularly hate? See, I'm not really a hater of anything, except for I did not like A Star is Born, the new one. <gasps> Which but, Manny and I both have yeah, in our top no, 10 lessons of the I year. I know. I've talked to you about this. I was not a fan. I was checking my phone constantly. I wanted to leave the theater. What? I just felt... And I've never been like that. Like, I, I feel like I'm an optimist. I can usually find, like, the best part about anything, but... What was it? Just... What didn't you like? Too much hype for not enough authenticity. Oh, Do you know so, what I mean? Ah, uh, see, what, like it, went, they relied on their star power too much for this movie. Everybody went crazy for Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper and all of that, but it was essentially just a recycled com, like recycled concept. Same story, same everything. I mean, that is what it was. Though. I mean, exactly. it was like a remake of a remake. And of a I, remake love of remakes. Remakes. Yeah. I love remakes. I love remakes, but it, it didn't deserve as much hype as it got. If it got like half of that, I would like. All right, I'll say. I'll say Lady Gaga did a, a great job. I do appreciate that. Okay. The songs were good, everything like that. I'm not really the biggest fan of Bradley Cooper already, so there ah. is that. I'm sorry that you hate me already. But... <laughs> oh, it's all right. <laughs> Loves the mask, hates the star is born, and Manny is, uh, is smiling through his teeth right now. Yeah, yeah. Are you regretting this? <laughs> yeah, pretty much, and this is the last episode you'll ever be on, so it was oh. nice knowing you, Emma. Yeah, I think you've threatened each one of our guests with that, too. <laughs> And then it's only about an hour away that you're going to be threatening me with being replaced by my guest, too. Yes. I, I'm predicting that right now. Uh, any any others? No, that's, uh, that's, that's it. Leave it born. there, period. Yeah, period. Love it. Um, who are some of your favorite actors and actresses? Oh, Jim Carrey. Love Jim Carrey. Charlie Chaplin, like I said, love him. Robin Williams, iconic. Um, Jillian Jacobs, Emma Stone. I'm obsessed with Jillian Jacobs. Really? Like, like, yeah. From what? From Community? or? Yeah, from, and from Love. Mostly she's a TV actor, of course. Okay. But yeah. she's she's just iconic to me. Yeah. Now, you haven't seen Community, have you? No. Okay. Oh. Pretty good TV show. It's from the creator of Rick and Morty, which I've also been telling you to, to watch as yes. well. Yeah, <laughs> Dan Harmon is involved with both. <laughs> yeah, Rick and Morty's good. Yeah. Rick and Morty is good. Yeah. 
I haven't watched too much of it, but... No? Oh, man. I've been trying to convince Manny to watch that for forever because it's basically one long parody of Back to the Future. Yeah, and I know Manny is in love with Back to the yeah, Future. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Yeah, you should check it out then. And it's really silly and stupid. And it's there's... so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Most shows like that are, though. Yeah. So. Uh, are there any that you hate? And I know you've said you're not a particularly hateful person. <clears throat> um, yeah, like I said, not really a particular hateful person. Um, probably Gwyneth Paltrow. I'm not a fan of her. Oh, I... That's an excellent choice. <laughs> she's just that's bland. An she's the exact same in every role she plays. I feel like she's just playing herself on screen. Mm. Like, is it... Is it interesting? Did no. you happen to listen to our Endgame episode, by the way? No. I'm okay, so sorry. we 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 go on a fucking tangent about Gwyneth Paltrow, <laughs> don't we, Manny? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I respect it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think most of it. I mean, me and Emma went to go see Endgame together twice, so I think most of it was just us whispering back and forth. To I each was other, just like, like, oh, like get off composting. Yeah. Isn't that right, Gwyneth? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, what was the last movie to make you cry? Well, since we're on the topic, it was probably Endgame, not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably the same for all three of us, eh, Manny? Or have yeah. you watched anything that made you cry since? I teared up. Yeah, yeah no, just Endgame is that is the yeah. current answer right now. That was like the first thing that came to my mind when I read that question. Yeah, about. all three of us were just sobbing in the theater. Yeah. Not as hard as Jordan, mind oh, you. Oh, Jordan was a mess. Yeah. So. <laughs> Love you, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> but you were an absolute mess. I couldn't focus on the movie. All right. Um, so this is one that uh, th there's a couple questions that we didn't give you, but Manny, uh, Manny and I have a point of contention on a lot of these. Okay. So we ask all of our guests these as well. Um, have you ever or would you ever be so bold as to illegally stream or download a movie? Am I going to get caught? <laughs> yeah, this whole thing is this whole thing is a sting operation. Yeah, we were. Um, yeah, I, I definitely would. I mean, it's 2019. So, yeah, but you haven't but... yet. My lips are sealed. <laughs> no, I yeah. would. I have. As you can tell by the wall of Blu-rays behind Manny right now, uh, he's not a particularly big fan of uh, set activity. <laughs> you know, I can respect that. You know, the law is there. It's keeping us structured, so I just don't follow it. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. And uh, this one has caused some yelling matches with some of our previous guests, I think. Um, yes. When rating a movie, do you believe in giving half points or half stars? A tough one. This is a tough one. This is a tough one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I yeah, would. You do? I'm, I'm, he's gonna hate me. <laughs> so Manny, for the record, that's five guests we've had on, and five guests that have answered yes. I believe in Sometimes giving times You just need the medium, middle ground type Are, number. Do you care to justify your argument one last time for the people, Manny? You know, I'd for love those to who don't it. know it, <laughs> and and for Emma, of course. Okay, this okay. is this this is my <laughs> argument. It's, and it's it's basically kind of it's it's basically only because if we're rating something out of five, uh -huh. I want you to rate it out of five. I want okay. you to make the hard decision if it's a three or a four. If you want to give it a three and a half, then let's fucking rank it out of ten. This is what I don't. This is what I hate with you though, because you're like, okay, just out, give it out like of, a five and a half. Yeah, yeah. Out of you say out of five, what do you give it? And then I'll give it a half point. And then you say, okay, but why, why don't you just rank it out of ten? And then. But you told me to rate it out of five, is what I'm saying. Like, yes. If it's so, easy to change, why can't we just rate yeah. it like 0. 0.5? Yeah. <laughs> it's I. The reason I like out of five, and this is this is my reasoning. The reason okay. I like it out of five is that I'm looking at it from. It, it's a little bit pretentious and maybe even a little bit egotistical. But a lot of people ask me my opinions on movies, and so when I'm rating something out of five, I want it to be. I want it to be crystal clear on where I stand on the movie. 
And so if I give something a three, that's a middle of the road. That's something that I would probably recommend. Like, okay. I'm a, there'll be some flaws in it, but I'm like, you'll probably have a good time. If I give okay. it a four, that's a really great recommendation. If I give it a five, it's definitely something that it's a, what, in my opinion, is an absolutely fantastic film. Not perfect because no film is perfect, except for maybe the Shawshank Redemption. So, <laughs> but if I give something a two, that's a complete fail. And in no way, shape, or form would I ever recommend that to somebody. And I've yet to give anything a one. Wait, so a two is a complete fail? It's a, a two is a, it's a, not a complete fail. A two is yeah. a movie I'm not going to recommend because that, okay. that's a failing grade. That's 40%. Less than average. Wait, hold on. Yeah, the math checks out. Yeah. <laughs> so, what if you start giving? If I when it, when you're out of five, if I start giving half points, now I I feel that it, the rating I've given something is lost. If it if it's not a if it's between a three and a four, then really, what's the difference between a three and a three and a half when it comes to recommending a movie? That's my opinion. You know what? That's fair. I can tell that you don't pirate movies. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's why I don't like when rating out of five. I don't. That's why I don't like giving half points because I'm I'm trying to give a a solid idea on what you, what I think of this movie. I'm making a hard decision between is something good or something great, is something bad or something good, is something atrocious or something bad. That's the I way I feel. That I can respect that for sure. Definitely. Can you see why we've gotten into arguments? Yeah, with us I can. <laughs> we, we, for the record, when we're rating our movies at the end, we do it out of five, no half points, just because oh. I, I just like bringing this stuff up because I love Rylan Manny. <laughs> look, look, look at him. He's so passionate about this. He's thought about this so hard. And it's, it's my favorite thing to listen to him rant about. It's, it, for, for, there's three people that are, that I don't, well, I know two. I know T-Bone listens to almost every episode, and I think Kyle listens some. I don't know if Gino listens to very many. The man is quite busy, but they love – T-Bone is especially good at it. He's really great at fucking pushing my buttons. Oh, yeah. And so when I get a little upset or if I get really passionate about something, I get what's called thin-lipped. My lips, I guess they start going thin. <laughs> and oh it's probably hard to see with the webcams, but it definitely happens in real life. And so 100%, I bet, while I was going on my rant there, I had thin lips. <laughs> so uh, so that's that's all the questions that we have. Uh, well, I feel like I've learned so much. <laughs> yeah, and we've learned so much about you, as has the listener. Aww. Yes. <laughs> so uh, now that we've gotten all that uh, that nonsense out of the way, let's, uh, let's get into the nitty-gritty. Let's talk yes. about the main event. Manny, what are we talking about today? Yeah, today we're going to be talking about the 1998 comedy, drama, sci-fi film... The Truman Show, uh, directed by Peter Weir, written by Andrew Nichol. Uh, it's starring Jim Carrey, Ed Harris, and Laura Linney. has a 90 meta score. It actually got three Oscar nominations this year, Best Supporting Actor for Ed Harris, Best Director for Peter Weir, and Best Original Screenplay. It had a budget of $60 million and grossed $264 million. Insane. Sam. Yes. Had you seen The Truman Show prior to us watching this? Oh, I had seen The Truman Show, all right. Uh, much like my uh, my guest here, I, too, am a big, big Jim Carrey guy. I grew up on him. Mm -hmm. uh, mostly, of course, the comedic roles. So Truman Show was a little over my head when I was a kid. But mm -hmm. I grew up on Liar, Liar, The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, all those sorts of things. Uh, so when I got older, I got into his more dramatic roles, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Beautiful. Truman Show, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, so The Truman Show is 
a hell of a movie when uh, when we first uh, agreed to have Emma on. It was one of the first recommendations. I think you recommended it, right? No, he, I or think he, he just, yeah, this is the one he recommended, and I was right. so into yeah. it. Yeah, it's funny, because with most guests, there's, like, a bunch of movies thrown out, like, well, we'll sort of play around with it. I think Truman Show was the first one that was out there, and we were all like, yes. It absolutely I, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I was already in love with this movie, but I was excited to uh, give it a deep dive as well. Nice. Emma, I assume you'd seen this movie prior to us getting ready for this episode as well. You know, the funny thing is, I have, yes. I saw it when I was, like, I don't know, like, a couple times when I was younger. I saw it with my parents, but like Sam said, it just kind of went over my head. I didn't really grasp the full concept. And it wasn't until, like, just a few days ago or whenever it is that we watched it that I'd actually seen it in, like, my adult life. So I have a completely, like, fresh take on it right now. It's crazy oh, what that's I awesome. missed. But, yeah, I really enjoyed it, watching it a second time around, so. Perfect. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's dive into our spoiler-free thoughts. Sam, why don't you start us off with yours? So, uh, The Truman Show is sort of crazy uh, in that it predicted a lot of things. Like, it, it basically predicted the entire reality television genre mm -hmm. before it even existed, which is a little bit crazy. If anything, maybe it even inspired it. Who knows? Uh, but it, it's a really crazy movie. As far as I know, it was either his first or one of his first Jim Carrey's uh, dramatic roles. It's the first. It's his first? Yep. Yeah. So it's his first dramatic role. He absolutely kills it. I don't know why he doesn't do more dramatic roles because between this and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, the guy has chops Genius. as have well not... as being... Sorry, Sorry? I, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but yeah, have you not seen The Men in the Moon? I've seen it once. Again, sort of a similar story to Emma with this movie. I watched it when I was a kid, and I think it was sort of over my head. I watched it with my dad. Interesting. Okay. And same with you, Emma? You haven't seen No, I haven't seen that one either. Okay. You guys both being... I'm going to tell you this flat out. The Man in the Moon is Jim Carrey's greatest performance. Greatest. Looks like we have a night ahead of us. Yes, yeah. indeed. <laughs> um, yeah. So I didn't mean to cut you off, but The Man in the Moon is an absolutely mind-blowing spectacular performance by jim carrey all right well i mean it must be good if it's better than this one because i really like jim carrey in this one the entire cast is really good uh laura lenny uh it, it's weird seeing her in a movie because i only see her as uh wendy from ozark now right? <laughs> uh, ed harris is really good uh I'm, I'm trying to see the rest of the cast honestly the rest of the cast is just sort of there but the main the main three of jim carrey laura lenny and ed harris i i really enjoy all of their performances this is a very deep movie there's a lot of uh symbolism there's a lot of uh relig religious symbology in it and it's uh it's kind of a batshit crazy concept or at least it was in 1998 before reality tv was a thing and uh i enjoyed the shit out of it nice emma my term yeah <laughs> Gosh, where do I start? <laughs> I really enjoyed this film. I, it's completely meta. My favorite thing about this is that if it was released today, it would just not do as good. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's completely a concept that needed to be done back when it was. It inspired so many crazy things. I mean, like you said, it was, like, quite the inspiration for, like, the reality TV movement, which is insane. Like, that's insane already. So... I mean, Jim Carrey also, like, he usually was doing his comedy roles, so it was interesting to see him in, like, this dramatic sense. Um, just just really beautiful throughout. I would definitely recommend if you haven't seen it, so that's that's what I have to say about that. Awesome. <laughs> Manny. Nice. I actually have a little bit of a story to go with mine, so shocker, Ooh, shocker, I'm actually going to... around, children. I, I'm... Sh shocker, shocker, I'm actually going to ramble on for a little bit here. First time ever. 
like I've mentioned before, I'm, I was never the biggest Jim Carrey comedic fan. Uh, while I did really enjoy uh, Ace Ventura and Liar Liar, um, Dumb and Dumber, the Ace Ventura sequel, and The Mask, they just didn't appeal to me. Uh, he was on a massive and well-deserved hype train. When this movie came out, um, I was deep, as I still am. Well, not so much today as much as I used to be. But back then, I was really deep into following movies in their pre-production and stuff like that. Now, the information was harder for me to gather because I had to get through magazines instead of the internet. Uh, but I knew that this movie, and I knew about Peter Weir, uh, I knew what kind of movie it was going to be. I knew it wasn't going to be a comedy. I knew it was going to be more of a dramatic turn for him. Mm-hmm. So I went and saw it knowing what it was going to be. And going into the theater, I could tell, looking around the theater, that well over, I would say, a good 75% of the people in the theater were coming in with the wrong expectations. Oh, and yeah. if you watch the trailer to this movie, the trailer doesn't help. The trailer makes you believe that you're coming in to watch a Jim Carrey film. And this is not a Jim Carrey film. This is this is a film on its own. And there are moments we'll get into in spoilers that I would like to talk about. But there were moments that the audi- a, a good portion of the audience was laughing at that they shouldn't be laughing at. Um, especially uh, the penultimate scene at the end on the sailboat. Um, it's sort of, it's sort of crazy in retrospect looking at the budget in the box office like a movie like this today just does not make four and a half times its budget its budget back no nope. it, it's it's completely unreal and I, I'd imagine a large portion of that is probably from the marketing and probably from Jim Carrey's star power at the time yeah um, if you guys get a chance definitely like maybe at the end of the episode watch the trailer and because the trailer completely betrays what this movie is actually really about it, okay and uh, that's not a uh, it's not a bad thing it got people to come watch this movie yeah exactly right um. So I was, this was a revelation for me sitting in the theater watching this man who I, I hate to say I didn't have much respect for, for his <sighs> acting performances. Um, I appreciate, yeah, I see you guys shaking your head. I, I appreciated, I, I understood and I could understand why everyone loved his comedy. It's just not my style of comedy. So seeing him take a dramatic turn like this, uh, completely blew me out of the water and made me like him a lot more. And it is one of his best performances. In my opinion, The Man in the Moon is a much better performance. Um, this, But this is, this is an easy number two, if not a 1B. He okay. is absolutely phenomenal 1.5. in this movie. <laughs> yeah, 1.5. Yeah, he's 1.5, right? Uh, <laughs> he is uh, he's absolutely spectacular ed harris is equally as good and laura linney and noah emmerich who plays marlin um are also standouts for me the rest of the cast is like you said sam they're just kind of there they don't really have much to do so there's there's one person that actually has a little bit more to do and she's a little bit weaker but we'll get into that again in spoilers uh, mm-hmm. so this movie is one i always highly recommend as long as people understand what they're going to watch, they're not going to see a Jim Carrey film. This this is just a film on its own. Cool, 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 yeah, cool. That's absolutely fair. Awesome. All right, so we're going to get into spoilers, so I won't forget this time. If you haven't seen the movie, here's your chance to pause the podcast and get in to see it. Last chance. Three, two, one. Go fuck yourself. We're getting into spoilers. <laughs> Um, 
Truman Burbank is the unsuspecting star of The Truman Show, a reality television program which is broadcast live around the clock and across the globe. His entire life has taken place within a giant archaeological dome near Hollywood, fashioned to create the seaside town of Seahaven Island and equipped with thousands of cameras to monitor all aspects of his life. The producers discouraged Truman from wanting to leave City Haven by instilling him with aquaphobia through the death of his TV father in a boating accident, both of those in quotes, <laughs> and by constantly broadcasting and printing messages of the dangers of traveling, all of Sea Haven's other residents are actors, either acting out a script or repeating lines fed to them by the show's creator and executive producer, Kristoff. Kristoff seeks to keep capture Truman's real emotion and human behavior and give audiences a relatable everyman. Blah, that was a shit ton of exposition that I need to read So they there. basically just explained the reality TV genre right there. Yes. Um, this, the first thing I noticed, uh, and it was, it actually been a while since I watched this movie. Uh, I actually forgot how good the score was in this film. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's really magical. It is. It's really magical and it's, it works so well both because they, I think they use the score for the movie as part of the show as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's a word for that that I always forget where it's like, it's music. Diegetic. Of the ter- Thank you. Very Thank much. you. Yeah. It's diegetic music. Yeah. Because it's, <laughs> it's actually being played by a live pianist in studio, which when you think about it is crazy. Because if you, mm-hmm. if you make one wrong note, you know, that's captured on all the yeah. greatest hits videos that are ever being produced from this show. So that's a lot of pressure and uh, kudos. But yeah, the, the score is really, uh, really awesome, especially in the climactic scene, which we'll get to where he's oh. sailing the boat. It's, uh, yeah. it really swells Powerful. nicely. And even as even as being directed by Kristoff in the scene where he reunites with his dad, yeah. like, even though it's supposed to be melodramatic in that scene, it like really fits. I I, I really like the score in general. Yeah, it is beautiful. <clears throat> Just checking. Oh, it's by somebody I've never heard. Who is it? Burkhard von Dalwitz. 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 Yeah. Australia. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I have no idea who that is. He's done lots of TV, so that makes sense with what this movie's about. (laughs) And he's done lots of TV and documentaries. I, wow, I don't know any of these shows. Yeah, it's pretty heavy, basically just on piano for most of the scores, and there's not a lot else. Essentially, yeah, no. Yeah, wow, okay. Never heard of this guy. (laughs) Interesting. Um, I love the viewer's testimonial as they cut to people that are actually watching, especially oh, the Truman that. Show bar. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know who that actress is that plays, like, the super fan, but her facial expressions and reactions to the show are spectacular. Yeah, she's completely invested in yes. what's going on. I think my favorite of those is the little old ladies with the pillow. Yeah. They've got the little Truman merch pillow. <laughs> it, it does a really nice job of fleshing out the world. Like, yeah, of course, yeah. something as big as this, like of a as big event as this, would obviously have just like a super dedicated fan base. Yeah, super diverse, yeah. too. Yeah. And then there's like the guy in the bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> That's solo, man. Yeah. Also, uh, you and I sort of chuckled about this. We agreed, we watched this movie together, but we agreed not to say anything about yeah, it until we actually get time. on there. But one of the guys who's uh, who's watching, one of these fans is one of the security guards. You recognized him, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Isn't it Scully? Yeah, it's Scully from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever watched that show, Manny? Brooklyn Nine-Nine? No. Oh, it's so good. I just recently so started one of watching. the security guards is on that show. Which one? Is it the one in the foreground or the one in the background? 
foreground. The foreground, the one with the with the with the like kind of shaved. Yeah, sort of the, the, yeah, yeah. the army cut. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That's awesome. Yeah, he's really funny in Brooklyn Nine Nine. I've been trying to get Sam to watch her forever, and I finally did. <laughs> yeah. Uh so it kind of dives like we get into the the nice thing about it, and I I'll, I'm gonna kind of jump ahead. I should have read this before. Um, Oh wow! Let's see. Yeah, the opening the opening paragraph of this is just basically explanatory. Like it doesn't really go through the plot at all. It's basically just explaining the setting, right? Yeah. Well, it can't really go through the plot online, I guess. Yeah. Um, despite Kristoff's control, Truman manages to act in unexpected ways. During his college years, Truman was intended to fall in love and marry co-student Merrill, but he fell in love with another actress, Sylvia. Dun, dun, dun. Sylvia managed to bring Truman out of the sight of cameras long enough to warn him that his reality is fake before she was taken away with her father claiming they are traveling to Fiji. While Truman went on to marry Mel- Merrill, he continues to fantasize about Sylvia using scraps from magazines to recreate her face in secret and seeks travel to Fiji. Outside of the show, Sylvia has become part of a free Truman campaign that demands the end of the show. Uh, Sylvia is okay. She she basically serves to move the plot forward. Yes. Right? She's motivation for him to get out. That's essentially what her character is. Yeah, I agree. She's she's not bad, like I think you alluded to, Manny. No. Uh, She's not necessarily bad, but could she be better, probably? Definitely, (laughs) yeah. yeah. I like... I like I like how she plays that I, I like how they play or they really show that this is a show and that she's not it's not completely unscripted and she's like she wants to talk to him but she knows that she's not allowed. Yeah, it's and, not in her part. Yeah, it's not her it's not her role. It's not in the it's not in the script. She's a background actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love how she kind of gets around it in an attempt to get his attention to not to get his attention to try and warn him about what's going on and i think i i think you're right emma in saying that this film had to come out then and it wouldn't resonate the way it would now absolutely right I feel if somebody had never seen this movie and watched it now i don't think it would carry the weight that it does I don't think they would appreciate it as much, too. Yeah, yeah, like the idea of a reality show wasn't completely foreign in the late 90s, but it wasn't the massive media thing that it is now. So the idea of somebody having their entire life filmed in the late 90s was something kind of outside the norm, whereas now it's commonplace, where people, oh, this is something people want. Yeah, exactly. I mean, think about social media, right? I mean, yes. People are completely broadcasting their life daily, 24 hours, seven days a week, by choice. Yeah, so I feel like the the scene where she's trying to explain to him that everything is fake and he's not understanding what she's trying to say, I think, a, a it, and it might be shitty me to say, but I, I don't think that would resonate with somebody today. Well, like if, it, It's kind of funny. I, I felt... Not necessarily the opposite, but I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I I thought her her trying to explain that to Truman, I at least found it to be the best possible explanation she could have possibly given, which I guess is what you're saying. 
I, I just really, I like, really like that scene where she's trying to explain the world to Truman. Like on the beach. Yeah, on the beach. Yeah. yeah. Because, because she's not. There, there would be this Hollywood contrivance where she says something really vague and stupid, and he's like, "Wait, I don't understand." She gets whisked away right of before course, she can say like the big reveal. But here, I think she's explaining it about as well as she could yeah. with the vocabulary that they have in 1998 and, and so on and so forth. Like, she's saying, all oh, this is fake. It's all for you. There are cameras. She says True, yeah. just about everything she could possibly say. He just doesn't get it because it's so weird. Like, how could your life be? Well, I mean, imagine that happening to you. To him, he just thinks, like, this is just his life. This is normal. Everybody lives a normal life. He's not being watched. Nothing mm -hmm. like that. And then for him to, like, meet some girl that he's interested in and for her to just, like, go crazy like that and be like it's all fake it's all for you here's everything about you this is what i know and just like say that and then get whisked away like that like it, it's a little crazy except he was pretty like interested in it so i mean i guess it worked in the, the long run yeah <laughs> yeah uh i do like i i found it <laughs> it bordered oh one of my one of my favorite uh tv shows is how i met your mother Oh, and, I love that show. And there's there, there's an episode, uh, Dobler or Dahmer. Yep. And Jim Carrey making this cutout face of Sylvia borders on Dahmer or Dobler. <laughs> Is, uh, you'll have to refresh my memory because I'm not a How I Met Your Mother guy. Yep. I've only seen a select few episodes, but Dobler is... Lloyd Dobler. Lloyd Dobler yeah, from, from Say Anything. From say anything, yeah. yeah okay. So it, it, if you, you can do something, and it either it can be Dobler, where somebody finds it really sweet and romantic, such as you know holding up the ghetto blaster outside there, you know, playing their love song, or it's Dahmer, where it's a creepy serial killer, creepy fucking move, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and him making this face out of cutouts from a magazine borders on both of those that's completely true i got a little serial killer vibe i'm not gonna lie to you yeah well, i mean if that's the only form of like photo and visual that he has to kind of remember what she looks like yeah. i mean think about how much time has passed since he last saw her right mm -hmm. yeah i guess i guess in 2019 you can just stalk her facebook profile exactly and yeah you just quick search on instagram and you're yeah. good to go yeah <laughs> except like he does try like he tries to call that place you see that one of him in the office when he's calling and asking about a sylvia yeah yeah no go nothing like that no luck so he has to do with what he can work with what he's got the materials he's got he's just using his imagination to remember <laughs> what she looks like that's crazy yeah, yeah it's pretty nuts it's all pre-internet so romantic <laughs> oh, right <laughs> dobbler <laughs> dobbler it's dobbler <laughs> Um, I mean, she liked it. You see her, like, you know, crying. She's, like, all smiley and tearing up when she sees that on TV because she's yeah. watching also. That's the yeah. that's the part that's but crazy. If Truman was just a hair uglier, though, I don't think it would have had quite oh, yeah. the same charm. No, that's fair. Or if, yeah. it wasn't, if it wasn't Jim Carrey being silly and funny and yeah. stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually kind of funny about, about what you said there, Sam. Watching this show, I I, I was, for the probably the first time ever, I was like, Jim Carrey's kind of handsome. <laughs> yeah he looks really good in this movie yeah he's meant to look that way i think you yeah know? like he's not playing that goofy character he's playing like that charming got his life together kind of he's guy. supposed to be like the everyman yeah like, totally yeah. in case i don't see you good afternoon good evening and good night Aww. that sort of thing <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, yeah. the just <laughs> quickly going back to sylvia um that is one of the things about her performance i did enjoy was her reactions to watching the show mm -hmm. Uh, especially jumping ahead when he's getting close to escaping, she her joy and the 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 look of 
joy and satisfaction uh, on her face is uh, really well done uh, by yeah, that actress who definitely. I've never seen again. And you can see her like free Truman posters in the background of a yeah. room. <laughs> Yeah, it is interesting though. Like maybe this is me just focusing on the details too much, but like she sees him, she she watches him live. Obviously, she's been watching this whole time, and she's like fallen in love with watching him. But he barely knows anything about her, so he's just doing this as like a risk. You know yeah, what I mean? Dumber. He's just hoping it works I think, out. I mean, they show pretty early on too. I think he's just fucking fed up with Meryl because oh, she's not who the one. Wouldn't be. She's not the one for him, no. nor should she be the one for no. anyone. Like she's she's super fake, and he sort so of fake. realizes that. Mm-hmm. There, there's a really good moment early on when he's gardening, and he. I think she says something. You missed a spot. Yeah, he missed a spot, <laughs> or, or even before that, he just says he sounds super fed up with her mm-hmm. and just goes, "So what did you want?" Like he, yeah. he just is always so fucking fed up with mm-hmm. Meryl. And honestly, so am I. Meryl yeah. kind of sucks, but in like a good way. Like the performance yeah. is good. Yeah, Laura Linney's fantastic. Her character makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the one thing about Meryl, though, is that we do have to realize that she basically is a prostitute. I Yeah, that's that, literally what you said. I said the exact same thing. Like, It's kind of fucked up that Meryl is basically a glorified prostitute hired by a film studio to... Like, can we talk about Kristoff's plan to have the first on-air conception and how fucking weird that is that he wants to have these people bang yep. on air and make a kid it's really strange can you imagine being that kid and just growing up and having your parents sex tape broadcast to the world um i don't even want to imagine <laughs> the, the answer is no yeah that's the word you're looking for <laughs> maybe that's just me but uh, didn't he say that there was like a camera like in the womb kind of thing like yeah like he, like right from the second Truman could be filmed, he was. Yeah. Like that's insane. Yeah. That's just Instagram these days, though. That's that's oh most that's most young YouTubers too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Chris. Uh, uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to Kristoff in a bit. Yeah. Okay. All Let's right. Let's do it. because um, I think that's where we are. Let's see here. Hmm. The film begins the 30th year of the show. Truman starts noticing unusual events that seem centered on him. A falling spotlight, a radio frequency that precisely describes his movements, and rain that falls only on him. Truman spots a disheveled man and recognizes him as his father, who had snuck back onto the set, but other actors quickly drag the man away. Despite efforts by Marilyn Truman's best friend Marlon to reassure him, Truman becomes even more suspicious about his life. I'm going to stop there. I enjoyed I enjoyed the efficiency of how this show is run and how they show how they portray how they do all of this. And so the moment that his dad reappears on set and they realize what's happened, like that he's taken care of. Yeah, I know what you mean. And she just like drops the leash to the dog and just knows exactly what to do. They're prepared yeah. for that. Well, Kristoff even says at one point that it takes the population of a small country to run the show, and reasons like this is why. I can't even imagine the production cost they must have Ugh. purely from having the crew just walk circles around the block and be trained for any sort of situation like that. Like, Truman becomes suspicious and sees somebody, like, get that guy out of there. It's, uh, it, like, the... How do they... Ju- like, how much are these people being paid to be casted <laughs> in this? Because, like, that's your life. It is your life. It's You're not, just there. It's not even just a full-time job. No, it is your life. exactly. It's yeah, weird. like, especially like the like the main players like marlin and yeah. and like we said the prostitute meryl mm-hmm. the the neighbor like 
yeah all these people are basically yeah you're, you're signing your life away and it does very like, and yeah and but for how like what who cares how much money it is you don't get to enjoy it because you're in this fucking show yeah exactly so i mean like what i don't even understand yeah, marlon is his friend from high school until no, like his way 30s younger I think. younger yeah, even younger than that younger like, he was like school. yeah we he said that they were friends like when they were like 10 or something yeah. like that when he got sick and was gone for a month remember yeah. that scene there so if we can conservatively say marlon's been in the show for 20 years two-thirds of his life yeah. because this takes place when truman is 30, 30. like that, when are you ever going to spend that money you're going to retire after after the 40th year like what would you even do you would have nothing else yeah are you hoping that you get killed off so you can eventually enjoy the money that you've made i guess but whatever. The details. Yeah. yeah, the details, like, does it really matter? No, just accept. Probably not. Let, Probably not. It's fun to think I'm about. I'm curious, you it, know? It, it, I agree. Like, it's the fun stuff to speculate, but it's the stuff that you don't want to dive too deep into because then you start pulling the movie apart and it no longer becomes enjoyable. Yeah. But it, it definitely is fun to speculate on those kind yeah. of things. <laughs> you know, just suspension of disbelief. Just accept that this movie exists. This is the rules we're playing in, and they play just, very well with the rules. Uh, I do love Toby Emmerich as Marlin. He plays a really great best friend. He does. Um, and there are, oh, I, th I think I read somewhere. Um, oh, there it is right there. A I, 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 uh, couple of things. There were some deleted scenes that really show how much that um, Marlon really cares about Truman. I guess in, um, after, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but when Truman does go missing, Marlon actually finds him and lets him go. Oh, yeah. Wait, that would have been no. That's a deleted scene. It's, oh, a, de okay, yeah, it's yeah. a deleted scene. That would have been interesting, actually. An yeah. interesting little point to make. Yeah. I'm just trying to find. Uh, I'm trying to find anything I recognize Noah Emmerich from, and I don't think that I do actually. The only I, other, I, the only other movie that I know him from is uh, Frequency. Yeah. Well, he was he was in Miracle, which I saw, but not for a, a long time. No, I don't recognize him. Uh, and Warrior, he was apparently what in. Is oh shit, I don't remember him in Warrior. At TV. Oh, he was the in... Walking Dead. That's why I know his face. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> so Walking Dead and uh, Billions. He was in a couple episodes. The Americans. He uh, was in The Walking episode. Dead. Yeah, it was like Doctor Edwin Jenner. Oh shit! In the first season. Yeah. Yeah. Holy Christ. He's like the one who dies. Spoiler. Wow. But... <laughs> now I don't even need to watch The Walking Dead, guys. Thanks. <laughs> Um, Frequency is actually a movie that I think that you and I will tackle eventually. Ooh, Ooh. interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's a, it's a really cool, fun premise where you, you just have, it's, it's a time travel movie, so you just got to buy it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. One of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Endgame where we're going to yeah. be sitting here debating, like, <laughs> wait, so like if Captain, oh, sorry, no spoilers for Endgame. Yeah, yeah, no spoilers. <laughs> um, but yeah, Marlon does, I really enjoy Marlon, um, there's it's we're not quite even there yet but the like the efficiency of the show was fun um as it starts to unravel as the show starts to break down and truman starts suspecting more i like how it's slow it's kind of like a like a, a snowball rolling down the hill it just continues to escalate and escalate and it just gets out of control mm -hmm. uh let's see is this where it is uh I can't remember at what point, but it might have been shortly after this, but when 
he's trying to leave the on the bus. The bus driver is fucking <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, there's, there's all sorts of good uh, good little details like that. Like the bus driver yeah, so can't drive the bus because yeah. he's an actor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you would yeah, think, or the boat. Yeah, yeah. Or the boat exactly. <laughs> you would think you would think these people would be method actors, given that that guy is literally just the bus driver. Like yeah. That, like we said, this is this person's life. He yeah. needs to be the bus driver every day, just in case Truman finds himself in the bus depot for any sort of reason. And uh, you would think at least at some point in that time he would have learned how to drive a bus, but I guess not. No, apparently not. <laughs> I mean, you know, even when he, like, breaks the bus, the bus doesn't work or whatever, you kind of sense that he's, like, a little bit sorry for Truman, though. He's like, sorry, man. You 100%. Right? Like, he feels bad that this is Truman's life. Yeah. He, like, wants to drive that bus for Truman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I got the same vibe. Totally, yeah, me 100%. too. Yeah, I definitely picked up on that as well, that he's like, also, I wish I could help this man. Yeah, right? Also, you have to know that it's fake, because those people got off that bus so fast without any complaints, and that would <laughs> never happen if a bus broke down in real life. I, I do like all these but little Truman, that... But Truman wouldn't know real life. Exactly, I guess. That's true, that's true. You make I, a fair point. I do like all these little hints they've included with these minor characters as well. Like, the bus driver is one. Another one of my favorites is the travel agent when she comes out of the back and she still has, like, the tissue on her from getting her makeup done. It's, it's you know what's detail. funny? Or, like, the doctor when he's like, yep, I'll just let someone else clean that up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did, he, did that guy actually chop that chick's knee? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That's another detail I need to know. Yeah. You know what's funny about the, uh, the, the makeup kerchief or the makeup napkin whatever you want to call it on the travel agent is it wasn't until maybe not the not the one we not the last time i just watched it for this podcast but i think maybe the time or the time before that i finally realized what it was i honestly thought she was coming in from having lunch (laughs) (laughs) so it's all the kids are wearing these days yeah exactly (laughs) she's just like she just she tucked in her napkin because she was eating lunch yeah, Never I didn't even... even notice this detail, so yeah. I like to know that. Yeah, I was too focused on the posters in that scene. Yeah, the it's posters. like you don't need to go anywhere. Yeah, or the the <laughs> lightning, the lightning. The, I love the lightning strike through the plane. It could happen to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't watch the Truman Show if you're on a flight. For the love of God, yeah, you will have a huge panic attack. Um. Let's see. Uh, Despite efforts by Marilyn Truman's best friend Marlon to reassure him, Truman becomes even more suspicious about his life. One day, he takes Meryl by surprise by going on an impromptu road trip, but their Mm -hmm. way is blocked by increasingly implausible emergencies. Meryl begins to break down from the stress. During an argument with Truman, she breaks character and is taken off the show. Hoping to bring Truman back... Now, let's stop there. The escape scene... um, This is where... This is where, in my opinion, uh, tr- uh, Jim Carrey kind of falls back a little bit too much on his on his comedic stuff. Like when he when they're doing the the drive and he does that crazy blah, blah, blah thing like that. Yeah. It's, it's a little too Jim Carrey uh, for me. I, like I liked it too. That's yeah, like I, of course thing. you did. <laughs> it's it's the only part that I didn't like, and it's not it's a minor complaint. I think it's just because I enjoyed his departure from his usual yeah. for lack of a better word shtick much that's fair much like when robin williams does a dramatic role he doesn't he doesn't not he never goes back and does robin williams things very separated uh, he, yes robin williams even robin williams and and jim carrey both have funny moments in their commute in their dramatic roles though like 
like, even uh, Goodwill Hunting comes to mind. Like the scene where he's talking about the World Series with mm-hmm. Matt Damon in that movie is a really funny scene, I think, even though it, to- it's, to- it's uh, serious and, in the end. Yeah, it's, I'm not talking about comedy. I'm talking yeah. about relying on your shtick. I see. And that, you know, Jim Carrey and his rubber face and, and all that kind of stuff. So him mm-hmm. doing that, I was like, you don't, you don't need to. Like you're doing just fine without it. I think that was his kind of way of showing how frantic and how crazy he feels he is, though, right? He kind of needed something like that. He couldn't just stay the same dramatic, like, sense sense of character that he was playing because he needed to show that sense of difference. They're going to get a lot of pushback on this from both of us. (laughs) Oh, I know. That's why I said it. two people who grew up as fans of Jim Carrey's comedies, I think you're going to get a lot of pushback. I'm I'm fine with pushback. (laughs) I like differing opinions. Uh, I do. I I always enjoyed that whole scene on the impromptu road trip. I love how Kristoff is trying to block him at every turn mm-hmm. in somewhat plausible ways, so Truman will just stay home. And uh, my favorite is when they get to the bridge. Yeah, <laughs> the fire. No, not the that, fire. I think when he's driving with his eyes closed and he makes oh, yeah. yeah, when he's Smart. he's you know because he's aquaphobic, and yeah. Meryl is just like you. You knew it would come to this, and he just grabs it, her hands, put them on the wheel, closes his eyes, and hits the gas. I loved it. I'm like brilliant, brilliant by Truman. Yeah, I think uh, my favorite part in this sequence is when. The, the firemen finally stop him. They say there's a forest fire ahead that, or sorry, it's the it's a nuclear plant where, yes. uh, where oh, they yeah. finally yeah. get stopped. And he's about to give up. And he's like, all right, like, I guess I'll turn around. And he says, thanks a lot. And the officer says, no problem, Truman. Yeah. And he just has He's this, like, like, what? <laughs> he has this sort of, oh shit moment. And uh, he's like, I was right. Yeah. Yes. I, I really like Laura Linney's acting in that moment is really good. There's, Thank uh, you. She's, she's only in the background in it, but she has, she's trying to like, keep a straight face but she just has like a look she of oh up. shit yeah. like what did you just say mm-hmm. yeah yeah perfect i was gonna mention the same thing laura linney in the background when he says no problem truman is brilliant i don't even think we get like a close-up on her in nope. that scene do we? No. no i really wish we would have because her acting in that scene's really good not the point of the scene though right yeah like i don't know i would have liked a reaction yeah shot, of course sort of up the up the stakes or something like that i don't know is it when they get back? Yeah, it's when they get back after this where Meryl breaks character. Mm-hmm. And it's so completely earned because Truman, in, in my opinion, was about to get violent. And Who knows? her breaking character is so fantastic. And I honestly, I was on her side in that scene. Oh, yeah. I, I think Jim Carrey's perspective in that scene isn't admirable, but it's at least understandable. Completely yeah. understandable, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see why he would start to go a little bit kooky, a little bit crazy. You know, threatening to murder your wife, eh, maybe not the direction to go. Kind of pushing it. Yeah. <laughs> Although it gets kind of, it's, it's still sort of darkly funny because he's threatening her with the, with like the multi-tool that she Yeah, that one that really. she like just bought and yeah. advertised, yeah. <laughs> sort of a, a little bit of irony there but yeah, she continues to try to do the whole product placement thing and he just does the whole the product what, placement what the hell are you talking yeah. about I, no i love that's a fantastic line reading is when she's so flustered just prior to him getting violent she 
just kind of reverts back into character about doing mm-hmm. product placement. I think it's called Mocha Coco or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Coco stuff. And she like turns into like a, a commercial, <laughs> and he's like, I that line delivery. Who are you talking to? <laughs> and he's looking around like it's just us. <laughs> it's a fantastic line know. and a fantastic <laughs> performance in that moment by Jim Carrey. I completely agree. That and the silliness from earlier is also really good. I'm going to slap your face. <laughs> um, when, Mar- when Marlon shows up right as things have kind of regressed where Meryl's broken character and she just runs to him for safety, it's, uh, it's a nice moment. And it's I think it's here where you get to see three... Yes, three overlapping fantastic performances because it's at this, I think, I'm pretty sure it's at this point where we get to see, yeah, it is. It's, we get to see Jim Carrey relying and talking to his best friend who is giving this performance being fed lines by Kristoff. So Kristoff is just the fucking puppet master of this whole thing. And the fact that he, that Kristoff is just, you can he's not re, he's not reading off a script he's he's speaking from his heart because he knows he, he knows Truman better than anybody else he truly is his biggest fan yes. he cares about him more than anyone yes and yeah. you can see at times that when Kristoff is feeding lines to Marlin he's there was just a, there was a moment where he's like he's like I don't want to say this he does not want to. Yeah, it's the same thing as like the bus driver, right? He feels bad, guilty. Yeah. Even. Yeah. Um, he wants he wants Truman to get out of there somehow, but he knows that he can't do anything about it. Yeah, and Jim Carrey's just like completely defeated, giving off a fantastic performance where he's basically just kind of <laughs> reacting. He has a couple lines, but it's really it's all about him reacting to the Kristoff and Marlin dialogue. Um, so it's just three amazing performances at the same time. It is sort of subtle in the scene as well because uh, this moment of him talking to Marlon is sort of his realization that everybody is in on it. There's an awesome line where Marlon says, if everyone were in on it, I'd have to be in on it too. And Jim Carrey has a look on his face. He's like, like, it has the exact opposite effect of what Kristoff is intending because that's the moment where Jim Carrey realizes, fuck, it's just me. Yeah. This is like this is this is everybody. Like fuck. Yeah. yeah. And then even the following scene where he's sobbing and reuniting with his dad, on the one hand, maybe on a first time viewing, you might get the impression that this is him just happy crying that he's finally reunited with his dad, but I think he's actually sad crying because he's just made this realization Breaking down. that everybody is in on it, and then his dad comes back and he's like, "Holy fuck, you weren't even real either." Yeah, you're yeah. not even my dad. Yeah, exactly. And I, I it's a but it's, it's a, a comforting cruise. shape, so he goes to it. Exactly, and this is where that score also yeah. swells over yes. top, and it's man, it's super effective and, and uh, melodramatic. And yeah, this is a really well constructed scene, honestly. It oh, is. it's very beautiful. Yeah, it's spectacular. Um, this is where it's not really talked about here looking at the at the, at the plot review but this is where we get this is where we get to meet Kristoff and this is where they start talking about the history of the show and this is where I wrote it down it's it's not even an hour this is at the hour mark of the film and this is where they explain everything this yeah. is where they explain how they got Truman 
and how the show works and all of this. It's all the stats, an hour the into the movie. Yeah, it's awesome. I love that one. I also love, uh, I, I'm a Harry Shearer guy. I'm a big fan of The Simpsons. So I'm, I'm happy to see Harry Shearer uh, being the interviewer in the scene. Not that he has particularly anything to do, per se, but. But hey, nice cameo. Yeah, I, I like Harry Shearer. Just every time he pops up on something random, I'm like, hey, it's Harry Shearer. <laughs> yeah, that's my guy. <laughs> um, he, I actually really like him as, uh, as the interviewer and uh, a complete, I, uh, He's a fucking kiss ass, is what he That's, is. That's oh, perfect. I was gonna say he's a complete shill for the show. Yeah. Uh, he's a big slut for the Truman Show. Huge slut, and uh, I, I, I'm a huge Ed Harris fan, and this is again just another fantastic performance from this man. Um, this is one of many he's given. Uh, you know, recently we saw him in the Hours, Sam where he was spectacular, nominated in that performance, nominated for this performance. Another performance he did that he was nominated for is Apollo 13. Uh, I mm-hmm. just absolutely love this guy, and he's spectacular as Christoph. Before, before I knew, or before I had seen this movie, when I when Ed Harris first came on screen, I just said, hey, that's the guy from Apollo 13. <laughs> that's, that's the only reason I knew Ed Harris coming into this. I have not seen that in such a long time. It's a great movie. I watched it in school, actually. Really? Yeah. Man, that, that should go on the list right there. <laughs> yeah. That, I, I can't I can't wait for we get to rewatch that because that's the best picture nominee. Is it really? Yeah. I mean it makes sense. It's a good movie. Definitely. Yeah. It lost uh it lost to Braveheart. Oh mm. yeah, so that's what, ninety three? Roughly, yeah, roughly. Something like that. Yeah. Sure. Um This uh, where was I going to go with that? This is also where we see... I love how they explain the show, but I also love that they show a couple people that also broke into the show. The guy in the Christmas present. The parachute guy oh, confuses yeah. me. Like, how does a guy parachute inside a dome? A dome. That's true. Like, it's not like he could get, like, a helicopter or a plane in there. Yeah. Maybe jumping off a building or yeah, something? Yeah, like, he snuck into the, he snuck into the upper es- echelon where the where the floodlights are and stuff like that and jumped uh, in there. Maybe. Maybe he was casted and just, like, brought the parachute on set or something like that. Plot yeah. hole shit yeah. movie. I don't know. Again, <laughs> we're pulling at strings that we don't really want to pull at. Only 2.5 stars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah th- this movie's so shit, I give it 2.5 stars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's, uh, but I do love, I love those little things, uh, the, the little, I guess, for lack of a better word, bloopers. Uh, mm-hmm. The one thing that um, they did show is when Truman's a, a little boy and he's climbing the rocks at the beach uh-huh. and his dad's yelling at him not to go. They don't show what's on the other side. And yeah. I always, I guess I always just envisioned that they were just building more set. They hadn't completed it. Probably not, because he was just a kid and couldn't explore as far as yeah. he would as an adult, right? Yeah. It would have been a nice little comedic moment for, like, while his dad's pulling him off the rocks, for the camera to sort of pan up over the rocks and yeah. for us to see, you know, like, a bunch yeah. of workers taking a break or something like Similar that. Similar to, like, the elevator scene where exactly. he catches them, something like that, yeah. 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 By the way, not that this is relevant at all, but Apollo 13 and Braveheart 1995 is uh, when those both came Thank out. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Uh, little. Oh, no, I was gonna say I have a little anecdote about Apollo thirteen and, and Braveheart, but you have an anecdote about every movie. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Well, we'll save it for the Oscar episode. That's true. Out. Actually, that Think is a good idea. <laughs> that that's still a ways away. Yeah. Um. That hasn't stopped us from planning before. So true. The does anybody have anything to say about the whole Kristoff interview? Um, 
like I said, I just really enjoyed. Uh, I just really enjoyed Ed Harris's performance throughout. Like obviously throughout this whole movie, but this is where we actually get to meet him. Yeah, I mean, it, this is sort of where the movie starts to get really philosoph- philosophical. Meta. Excuse me, very meta. Yeah, and he he sort of gives that speech. He has a line that I've written down, something like, uh, "We accept the reality of the world with." Uh, or which were presented, something to that effect. I think I stumbled over that, but it's something like yeah, that. Yeah, something to that effect. And uh, yeah, just the general tone of the speech sort of sets the tone of the movie very well. Um, you know, we start to set up this sort of uh, this god dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like Kristoff oh, is yeah. a very clear allegory and a very clear metaphor for a god, and there's a lot of symbolism that comes into that. So that's sort sort of where we start setting this up. And uh, you sort of get a uh, a glimpse into Kristoff's mindset. I think it's also in the scene he says. Uh, uh, something about if Truman's uh, desire to escape was more than just a passing will. You know, of course we'd let him escape, but he, he's sort of too much of an egomaniac to realize that he actually does want to leave. Like, you're not inside his head. This guy wants to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, did you enjoy seeing a, a young Paul Giamatti? I did. Paul Giamatti is yeah. actually really good in this movie. It's so weird. He is in love also. He's in love? Yeah. Man, I need to watch this. I have not seen love. But so good. Paul Giamatti, in his limited screen time in this movie, is so good. Like, when I, we're not quite there yet, but when he refuses to turn up the storm, mm-hmm. and yeah. he, he actually has tears in his eyes, and he's just refusing Kristoff. It's a really, really well-delivered line. I think Giamatti's an absolutely brilliant actor. Yeah, well, you and I, uh, what was that movie we watched? Uh, Sideways. Sorry? Sideways? Sideways, yeah. I think I told you about that. It's about the guys who go on a wine tasting. I'm not sure if we, you did. Oh, we did an episode on that. It was, it was a pretty good movie. It was pretty funny. Yeah, it's in, the, it's in the Oscar episode. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You can I'll go back. You can go in. back and listen to it, Emma, obviously, as can you, dear listener. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I will. Perfect. Um, okay, I think... Yeah, I don't have any notes. I have all my notes are stuff that's moving forward. Um, all right, uh, Truman. Truman seems to return to his routines. One evening, the production staff discovers that the sleeping Truman is completely out of their sight. Marlin is sent to check on Truman, finding that he's left a dummy and a tape recorder playing snoring sounds in his place and disappeared through a makeshift tunnel. Uh, Marlin breaks character, and Kristoff orders the first transmission cut in the show's history while citywide search for Truman is launched. I enjoyed this scene mm-hmm. uh, again. It's very uh, smart. Yeah. Yeah, very, very smart. smart. The only thing, again, you don't want to pull at the strings too much. Plot hole. How right? did he make the tunnel? No, the tunnel's not a huge <laughs> thing because it's inside It's inside that. How did he know where the cameras were? Yeah. Very true, yeah. Right? Yeah, like he sets up boxes and things That's perfectly true. so that they wouldn't be able to see him. I've, I've always, I've considered that odd That's myself. True. Yeah, but I'm fine with it, whatever. Like I said, I don't want to pull at the strings. You can pull apart any plot. There's plot holes in every film. That's fine. I, I'm I'm fine with it. I, I did like it. Uh, Literally unwatchable movie now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry that I've ruined this. Uh, hopefully you guys have watched the movie prior to me wrecking this. You're not... Uh, you're not listening to this and then watching the movie for the first time. <laughs> um, I love like when he cuts a transmission. Uh, the I guess the show's producers come in later and they're telling him they're they're saying you can't have this guy and he's like he's like this static this image is giving us the highest ratings we've had in years. <laughs> like the fact that they turned the show off now people are watching it more. I love <laughs> that. I that made it. me laugh. 
that's that's the equivalent of reality TV show now when there's like something like some stupid gossip that's not actually relevant. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When they're not doing anything important at all, there's like a huge scandal. Nothing important is actually happening on the show, and that's when they get the most ratings. Hundred percent. It's crazy. Are you talking specifically like Big Brother here? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I won't name names. <laughs> uh, I was always a more of a Survivor guy myself. That's okay. <laughs> Uh, da, 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 da. Audiences around the world are drawn to the sudden change. That's what I just said. Truman has found... Oh, wow. Okay, uh, I'm going to stop there. Uh, I want to talk about... Yeah, we're getting, we're, getting to, we're getting close to the end here. I love... The whole town is out searching for him. Mm-hmm. And I love the way that... It's such a great line and a great delivery by Ed Harris cue the sun mm-hmm. I I don't know why that line has always resonated with me but it really has I mean it, it sort of backs up this whole god, god dynamic like, that, they, that they've that. done here like like cue the sun is oddly similar to let there be light exactly it's, and yeah just him being able to control all to these things to have that power exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, there, is, there is something that kind of bothers me in this sequence by the way when uh maybe we're not quite there but when uh when truman first sails out to sea and they send the same the bus driver they send him onto the boat to try to go after him and he can't operate the boat and one of the guys says into the headsets well truth is they can't drive the boat they're actors like you're telling me in a world with all this water not one person can operate a boat yeah not one there has person. To be. Yeah. how else did they get there like... <laughs> <laughs> exactly did they all skydive in like truman's dad I guess so. I guess so. Like that guy with the parachute. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, this is where uh, I love, I love that realization. There, the entire town is looking for him. Everyone's trying to figure out where he is, and Kristoff is like, "Has anybody checked the ocean or the sea?" Mm-hmm. And uh, Truman is found sailing out of Sea Haven, having conquered his fear of water. And Kristoff resumes the broadcast as he sends a man-made lightning storm to try and capsize the boat. Network executives fear that the Truman may die on live television, but Truman manages to persist, realizing he cannot dissuade Truman any further. Kristoff ends the storm. This is the exact thing that you were talking about, where Kristoff orders Paul Giamatti's character, Mm -hmm. who's, I don't think Mm -hmm. the character has a name. I don't think he's basically just an operator, Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, tells him to start the storm, which he does reluctantly. Simon. Simon? Simon says. Interesting. Sure. And uh, he tells him to up it up. And exactly what you said, a, a fantastic little one-shot, one maybe two-shot performance by Paul Giamatti, who does not want to hurt this man that he's grown to care for. Mm-hmm. And the, the emotion on his face for such a small part is, again, just a testament to the amazing work that Giamatti can do. Yeah, completely agreed. The, this whole climactic scene is another one of the best constructed scenes in the movie uh, with Ed Harris going a little power crazy. Mm-hmm. He, he says earlier that if Truman ever truly wanted to escape, if it was actually his real will, of course he would let him escape. But we kind of see that Kristoff hmm. is kind of full of shit because Truman... I think you might be lying. <laughs> I think he might kind of want to escape Kristoff. Yet he uh, he almost kills him in the process. And I'm not going to lie, my first time watching this movie, I really did think he was going to kill Truman. And that's the sign of a good performance by Ed Harris. Ed Harris is furious 
at Truman for trying to mm-hmm. leave. And he, I genuinely thought he was going to kill him. It's a crazy scene. Yeah. So the first time you really know that this show is not about Truman. This mm-hmm. is about him. This is his baby, his art yeah. masterpiece that he's made. He wouldn't want to just get rid of that. I mean, you saw the way he was even talking about it in the interview to go back about that. Like, he's extremely proud of what he's created. Yes. You know? He has a huge ego. Exactly. Exactly. It's not about Truman. It's just about his art. Exactly. Yeah, there's a a line from one of the network executives that says, for God's God's sake, Chris, the whole world is watching. We can't let him die in front of a live Mm -hmm. audience. And he says he was born in front of a live audience. Yeah, that's a chilling line. It yes. is. That was probably it the first is. time where I thought, oh, well, they're really going to kill this guy. Oh, shit. I'm about to yeah. watch Jim Carrey die. You know what's actually interesting? I did read that Jim Carrey actually almost drowned during this scene. Like, there was divers in the water and everything. They had taken all of, like, the proto, like, all of the, the precautions that they could have. Mm-hmm. But Jim Carrey was, like, doing the motion to be like, I'm actually in trouble. Like, help me. He was supposed to, like, clench his fist or yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. And nobody saw it. The divers didn't catch it. And he almost did drown. Like, he, he was so close by the time he got out. That That's, like, all authentic, what you see there. Man. Isn't that crazy? They didn't have some stunt guy doing this? No, that was Jim Carrey. Oh, that shit. That was Jim Carrey. Yeah, that's kind of terrifying. That's a, that's I a know. worst nightmare. Insane, right? Yeah. Yeah. Faced death. But he still wanted to keep going, even though he was kind of mad. I would have been a little peeved myself. Yeah, only a little bit, though. Yeah, only a little. I would have wished death on him, but he'd already done the Ace Ventura movies. Oh, <laughs> low blow. Stings. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> this may be the last appearance. <laughs> this might be my last appearance on my own podcast. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> just going to be the Samuel movie podcast. <laughs> um, Christoph ending the storm, and then they have their little talk. And, uh, oh no, it's right. right. This is... This is where Truman continues to sail. And it's actually a, a really... What's the right word? Um, it's well... The scene is well executed because mm-hmm. as he's flo- as he's sailing towards the edge of the world, um, mm-hmm. you it's, it's great production design because I can't... The first time watching it, I couldn't tell that the wall was there. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. at the last second, you see the shadow hit the wall, and then and then the boat hits the, the wall as well. The boat crashes right through. Yep. Um, he, yeah, this is, uh, yeah, it's because he hits the wall, and he, there's <laughs> a nun to, he hits the wall, and he has his breakdown where he's punching the wall, and it's all set to a score mm-hmm. in the theater there was quite a few people laughing. That's sad. I know. And this is what I was talking about, where these people are thinking that this is a comedy. Yeah, they don't understand the complexity of what's actually happening. Yeah. And it's it's after he has his little breakdown and he sees the exit, there's a shot where he's literally walking on water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I'm like, mm, that's a none too subtle that. reference. A little heavy with the symbolism. <laughs> yeah. There was actually something I was just uh, trying to find, uh, something that's kind of cool, because, again, this movie is so heavy on the religious symbolism. Yeah. Um, on his sailboat, uh, when, when he's sailing, you can see on, on one of the sails there's 139 written, and uh, that's, I guess, just the number of the sailboat, but... Uh, it's also a reference to Psalm 139 in the Bible, mm-hmm. where I think it's David uh, talks to God directly, which is basically exactly oh, what happens, what happens in, this next in the scene. next scene. Yeah. That's interesting. It's, it's a pretty crazy reference. Holy. 
Uh, Which I'm honestly a fan of. So meta. I know, so meta. <laughs> oh, if you want to talk about meta. Okay. Uh, just before we get into the discussion uh, with between Kristoff and uh, Truman, the the director, Peter Weir, I, and I don't know how this would have even been possible, and I don't know at what point of the film he wanted to do this, but his plan was for every theater that this movie was being shown, he wanted a camera installed. And at one point in the movie, the movie would stop. It would oh, show shit. footage of your actual theater yeah. in the film itself, and then it would go back to the movie. That'd be crazy expensive. Oh, yes. insane. And probably, insanely complicated. Probably super, super undoable with 1998 technology, too. With streaming today, maybe. You know what? I can respect him dreaming big, though. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's insane. That's a concept right there. That's, a, that's, some, uh, that's some James Cameron shit right there. Yeah, right? Oh, here, okay, here it is. Hold on. Uh, shit, I just lost it. Where'd it go? Peter Weir had planned for a projectionist to stop the film at one point during all screenings, cut to video shot by cameras installed in every theater, then cut back to the movie. To make things even more meta, he flirted with the idea of playing Truman's director, Christoph himself. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I just blew my mind. Yeah. Pass the blunt. We're getting meta. <laughs> um, there. Uh, that's what I was looking for. Um, I like your reference about uh, Psalm 139. Yeah. Um, the actual, did you catch the name of the boat that he was sailing on? I did not, actually. Uh, it's called the Santa Maria. Mm. The same name mm. of one of Christopher Columbus's boats. Uh, going to discover the new world. I like yes. that. Which is nice because he wanted to be an explorer when he was younger. Mm -hmm. yes. you know? So I do like that little reference back to that. It's he finally thing. got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> we always say it's the little things that make the movie, but like, yeah. this is the sort of thing that we can all nerd out about that is so fucking cool. Yes. Like, the, little, the little biblical references, the little references like the Santa Maria. It's yeah. just such an unnecessary thing that you don't need to put in the movie. Yeah. Like, so few people are going to notice that, but it just... It makes it. Yeah. It, it really does. It adds to the richness. It's That's just the that flavor. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> also, that teacher in the scene when he's like, I want to be an explorer. And she's like, oh, well, you're too late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything, everything has been so discovered. Yeah. What a bitch. I hate it. I, like, imagine, like, a teacher shitting on your dream like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty funny scene. <laughs> but I do like that scene. He gets to conquer his fears. He gets to finally be an explorer. He's living out his life, you know? Yeah, exactly. Even if he almost It's the most authentic he's ever been. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, you know? and he's not interacting with no. any of the fake aspects of the world. It's just yeah. him sailing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really it's a really great moment. Um, it is. Th and then this is where Christoph finally introduces himself yeah. to Truman. Um, I love their dialogue. I love that he's just a voice from heaven, obviously playing more into the metaphor, just mm -hmm. like we talked about. He's the voice of God. He... Uh, he tries to convince him to stay, stating there's no more truth in the real world um, than the world that Christoph has created for him, uh, and he would have nothing to fear. I really enjoyed all aspects, both Ed Harris's performance as he's trying to. He ha it's 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 double-edged. One, he doesn't want Truman to leave because he truly. Just like you said, Emma, it's a perfect idea that this was his masterpiece. This whole exactly. show was it, it is his child and his masterpiece and his creation. 
he doesn't mm-hmm. want to see it end. And probably on the flip side, he also probably doesn't want to see it end because of the power that this man resides. Or, yeah, uh, everybody does exactly what he says. He's completely in control. Yeah, complete God complex. This is complex. his world. It's not yes. Truman's, you know? There, there's actually a really awesome line that I forgot to mention uh, when Kristoff is talking to Sylvia in the previous scene, which ties into this one that we're talking about now nicely. Uh, when Sylvia accuses him of having like, oh, Truman locked up in a box, yeah, when they're on, on the, the phone, phone. and Kristoff says something like, the real world, the place that you live in, that's the sick place. And yeah. that's, the place you live in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so he's this is basically him trying to convince Truman to stay in his fantasy world in this, in this climactic scene, which is super masterfully well, done. I mean, I feel like it's also interesting. He's like, the place you live, not the place we live, meaning he does not live there, meaning that if Truman leaves this show and this world, he mm-hmm. also has to leave this world and yeah. this show. Like, that yeah. is his He's life, also you living know? in Sea Haven, exactly. right? Yeah, totally. There's, there's also a really nice line in this final scene uh, when Kristoff is introducing himself, when he says the line, I am the creator, dot, 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 of a television show. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I, like, just I re- need this pause. Yeah. <laughs> I really like the phrasing of that line. It was really well delivered. <laughs> Again, totally tying into the religious symbolism. Totally. I also forgot uh, as the the whole, like we've been talking about the metaphors and similes for, for the God and for Jesus, <laughs> uh, him walking on water, Kristoff being the voice from heavens, and then I, I forgot to mention that also he's taking a stairway to heaven. Yeah, the yeah. exit. I have the same, it's a, I have the same thing iconic. Right there. <laughs> yeah, um, I love the pause after Kristoff's basically kind of giving him his sales pitch, and yeah. Truman pauses, and then Kristoff says, "Say something, man! You're on TV," <laughs> and he gives his little. Uh, his signature send off or signature his catchphrase his perfect thank you yes his catchphrase and that just exquisite bow Mm -hmm. that he does and then disappears into the darkness it's the most satisfying way to end that i wish he had a microphone that he could drop yeah (laughs) boom <laughs> or too bad if this movie's like what PG thirteen. Too bad he couldn't add like a motherfucker in there because that's just what it felt like. It's just such a yes. I'm moment. sure every audience said that though. Yeah. <laughs> I think I said yes, motherfucker. Yeah, I think I was time. like fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> there is a uh, one actually one moment I forgot to mention when uh, when he's in his boat and it's being ripped uh, attacked. There's the great cutaway scene to the guy in the bathtub holding onto the towel on his towel rack. <laughs> Uh, you can do it hang on yeah it's a fantastic little mini tiny performance and a great cutaway to give a little comedic uh a little jolt of comedy into a, a very intense scene Mm-hmm. definitely um so the viewers cheer truman on while sylvia races to greet him Kristoff supervisors end the program for the last time and the viewers see what else is on tv yeah, I that's l- the craziest part. They just completely, like, they were just loving him for so long. So much of their life has been invested in this guy. I know he's gone, and they're like, okay, well, anyways. <laughs> well, I mean, we sort of we sort of do the same thing exactly. as the viewer, right? Yeah. Like, after this movie's over, we're like, how can these viewers just turn off this movie they were so invested in? <laughs> anyway, let's go watch something else. Like, how ironic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even yes. more meta. Even more but meta. it's the same, like, a perfect example is the biggest show in the world just ended, The Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And I don't, well, it ended nowhere near as perfect as this movie did. 
Whoa, don't spoil our post-credit scene, Manny. Yeah, I'm still watching. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my bad. Uh, yeah, tune in for us to talk about the brilliance of the yep. series finale. Did we think it was shit, or did we not think it was Tweet shit? Tweet at us. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, pretty much everyone's like, like, uh, uh, what are we? It's, what day is it? Wednesday? We're sure. Yes. We're th- the days blur together. Who we're knows? three days. We're three days after, and I'm pretty sure everyone's already asking. Well, what are we just? What are we gonna watch next? Uh huh. Yeah, totally. Right. So, I I loved, I loved that ending. As everyone's, you know, like you said, everyone's been riveted to the show for close to thirty years. But the moment it ends, everyone's like, all right, what's uh, what's next on the docket? I mean, people are just on the edge of their seat to find out what's going to happen. And like even Kristoff, he's like, this show cannot end. Like everybody's just doing whatever they can to keep it going. But they ultimately just want him to be happy. Like they love this character, right? And if this is what it takes, I guess they can accept it. Yep. Well, maybe not Kristoff, but. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, that's... Is that it? Is that the Truman Show? That's the Truman Show. That is the Truman Show. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Sam, your final thoughts on the Truman Show. Well, it's it's been a ride talking about this movie, but I I, I still like it uh, just as much as when we started. I think it's a brilliant movie. We had a, a chance to flesh out some of the themes. The performances are great. The score is beautiful. The plot was super innovative at the time, but now might be seen as derivative just because, you know, this movie basically inspired an entire genre of television. So if you're not careful, you might make that mistake. But at the time, totally innovative. Um, Yeah, this is I mean, I I get sad whenever I watch a movie like this, that Jim Carrey doesn't do more dramatic stuff as much (laughs) as I am in love with his comedic performances. These these movies that he's put together are, are really quite something else. So, uh, yeah, here's to Jim Carrey hopefully doing more dramatic performances in the future. And, yeah, uh, definitely in love with The Truman Show. <laughs> nice. Emma? <laughs> I am still in love with it. I don't think I'll ever not be. If anything, I'd probably love it more after dissecting it. Yeah. Um, I think this is just the best the best role for Jim Carrey. Like it really showcases not only what he's done in the past, but who he is as an actual person more than just an actor. You know, he, he himself has been viewed by Hollywood for so long seen as a celebrity that it's just so interesting that he gets to take on this perspective as Truman, such a concept. Um, it just ties media and all of that together. It's beautiful. Um, just overall, really, really great film. I would love to watch it again, so honestly. <laughs> many, many poking holes in all of the plot didn't ruin it for you. Oh, him, no. Him pointing out that Truman couldn't have known where the cameras are, it didn't ruin it for it you. It makes me want to find out why and argue with you again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the spirit. If there's one thing I've learned doing this podcast, it's that, it's that Manny is so difficult to argue with. <laughs> I am? Oh, yeah. No. You're a good argument. What? No, I just thought of something, actually. Okay. Sorry, this is completely un- Please. It's just irrelevant Please. to what you guys are saying. But it's a quote from the show. It was when he they were talking, they're like, there's cameras everywhere, like, you've been showcased this whole time, don't worry. And he was like, you didn't have a camera in my head, you know? And I think that's just, like, beautiful, because that's, like, yes, that's, like, Truman's perspective, and that also is Jim Carrey's perspective. Like, mm-hmm. nobody knows how he's feeling. Mm-hmm. No one knows what goes on. And you think about all the stuff that he's, like, said in Hollywood and in the media in the past few years, and it's just it's, it's just insane that this movie came out so long ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just it's still it's totally incredible. fresh today, in my opinion. I love it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, for me, uh, I loved this movie when it came out. Uh, it allowed me 
to really see a side of Jim Carrey that hadn't been shown before and allowed me to really love and respect him more as a performer. Uh, moving forward from here, he... Um, yeah, the, he had a small role in a movie called Simon Birch, but then he goes on to do Man in the Moon, which I, like, like I've said already, is, in my opinion, his best performance to date. And I really hope you guys end up checking it out and then let me know what you think. Oh, we will. We will. Um, then after that, he goes back into his usual stuff that I don't enjoy, me, myself, and Irene, How the Grinch <laughs> Stole Christmas. Uh, but then he goes and does The Majestic, which is another kind of drama kind of a little bit comedy tour um it's a movie done by the same director uh from the shawshank redemption um and then he does bruce almighty and then then he does the absolutely unbelievable turn in eternal sunshine the spotless mind mm -hmm. which if i'm not mistaken manny we've actually done a full episode on is that correct that is correct shameless self-plug <laughs> totally shameless self-plug <laughs> and uh if I'm uh, not mistaken, that was uh, episode 21. Oh, and... I don't believe you are mistaken. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But The Truman Show is a spectacular film uh, from start to finish. There's n not a lot that I really want to complain about. Like I said, and I've done in here, I've pulled at the plot holes a little bit, pulled on the strings. But that's just me having some fun. I'm always welcome to suspend disbelief for me to enjoy a movie except for a piece of shit like Transformers. So this movie <laughs> is just absolutely spectacular from start to finish. Great performances um, by the leads with, like I said, Ed Harris getting nominated. A lot of people thought that uh, Jim Carrey was going to get a nomination this year. Um, the big snub was for the next one for Man in the Moon. But this, is the, this year he was up against a, a pretty – tough field um with roberto benini uh for life is beautiful tom hanks for saving private ryan ian mckellen for gods and monsters nick nolte for affliction and edward norton for american history x which in my opinion is his best performance to date yeah, it's a good year yeah mm -hmm. it's a really good year so him him crashing in there uh was gonna be a rough uh i guess i could have taken a look at man in the moon but we might do an episode on that so i won't i won't dive into that too much <laughs> i'm um, sure it's upcoming yeah um I absolutely love this movie. It's an easy recommendation for me to give to other people. Uh, favorite scene? Who wants favorite the bat lead off? Who, me lead off? I said, who wants the bat lead off? Oh, okay. I didn't hear you. I, I'll go ahead and take this okay. first, I guess. Um, for me, it's the final conversation between Kristoff and uh, Truman. I really like that show. It really ties together all the themes nicely. It's really well acted by both. It's well shot with Kristoff being in this ultra close up, yep. ultra mm -hmm. close up rather of uh, just sort of making him look massive like a god figure again. Um, it's just a really nice, warm conclusion to this movie, and Truman finally gets to exercise his free will that he hasn't been for this entire movie. He's been controlled for the entire movie, and he says, "You never had a camera in my head," and basically oh. tells Kristoff to go fuck off. So yeah, it's a it's a really nice moment, and uh, that is my pick for sure. Nice, Emma. Oh, well, I think that one of my favorite scenes was when he kind of kidnaps Meryl or what's her name, Hannah. Yeah, the actress. Yeah, Meryl Burbank. Yeah. yeah. So 
when he like kidnaps her and they're like in the car driving around and he does he goes through the the one lane and sees all the trucks there and all of that we did talk about that scene but mm-hmm. ultimately i think my favorite was when they talk about the stats and facts of what is actually happening when they're controlling it i just found that so interesting especially from being a communications perspective not to nerd out or anything <laughs> but i just loved how they talked about the commercialization of it and how commodified it all was how they said there's like a truman catalog that you can buy everything on set for like that is just insane. I loved that. You never nice have to. Sharing. You never have to apologize for nerding <laughs> out here. This, this is the wrong place. Total nerd zone. Yeah, this is the wrong place to apologize for being a nerd. We're, we're two guys sitting in our bedroom. Well, me in my bedroom, you in your office, yeah. talking about movies once a week. This is a nerd zone. 100%. Yeah, this is a nerd. Well, I feel safe then. Yeah, this you is a nerd-friendly zone. No, jo- no jocks allowed. Jocks, exactly. jocks can fuck off. I respect that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, then, your favorite scene? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to get into my favorite scene that I actually forgot to do something as well. My favorite scene is um, when when we kind of first meet Kristoff, uh, just prior to the scene that I'm talked about. For me, it's it's the after Meryl's breakdown with um, mm-hmm. with Marlon uh, Truman and Kristoff feeding Marlon lines. It's the culmination of everything that I enjoyed about this movie. Uh, Jim Carrey giving a great performance uh bouncing off the actors uh noah emmerich uh giving a fantastic performance being fed lines by Kristoff and ed harris showing uh who he really is or just again just an absolute stunning performance and then again it ties into the score as well uh that whole scene right there is is my favorite scene of the film cool um, yeah, I- the one thing i forgot to do before we did our final thoughts is i actually have a little bit of trivia Oh, sure. Ooh. On the movie. Um, every street name in Sea Haven actually refers to a movie actor. Uh, Lancaster Ooh. Square, Barrymore Road, and all of the cast members are likewise named after movie stars. Meryl, Marlon, yeah. Lauren, Kirk, Angela. Um, that makes sense. Dennis Hopper was actually originally cast to play Kristoff. And I did I did read that, actually. Yeah, and he left uh, after the first day of shooting due to creative differences. Mm-hmm. You know what I did read, actually? Hmm. I read that the script, which was, I think it was written by Andrew Nichol, right? Yeah, correct. It was actually written, like, more dark. Like, it was supposed to be, like, yes. Truman was supposed to be, like, super, like, depressed, and he was, like, an alcoholic, yep. and he was supposed to cheat on his wife, and everything was really dark and grim, and it was in New York City. And mm-hmm. then when, um, who was it, Alex Weir, is that his name? The who the actual Peter, director, Peter, Peter Weir, Peter when Weir. he when he got onto it, because they wouldn't actually let Andrew Nichol do it since it was such a high budget and it was his first film. Yeah. When he got on, he was like, "Well, why would all of these people be interested in watching this guy if he's depressed? Like that doesn't make any sense. Let's make him charming. Let's make him fun. Let's make him Jim Carrey." Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The uh, Sam Raimi was considered to direct. Oh yeah. And when, Spider-Man fame. Yeah. And when Andrew Nichol was going to direct, Gary Ullman was actually going to be Truman. Mm. And it was also written on Wikipedia that Robin Williams was considered? Yes. Yeah. But Jim Carrey was his first, was uh, Peter Weir's first choice. Right. Yeah. It was good. Good one. Good choice, man. (laughs) Yeah. Well done. Well done. Uh, Okay. So we get to the last part of... uh, of the of our thoughts on the Truman Show, and that's our ratings out of five, no half points. No okay. half points. As always, it. this is your. I have place. I have predicted what I think you guys are going to rate it as. Yeah. 
Are we allowed to give thirds of points? Uh, yes. <laughs> this one time, I'll allow it. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Well, Sam, you've kind of been going first uh, as it is, so I'm going to say, what are you going to give it out of five, Sam? Uh, the number that you were holding up is correct. It is a big old five out of five. <laughs> I nerd out hard about this movie, as is, uh, there's plenty of evidence to that. There's about two hours of evidence to that now. Uh, yeah, big, big fan of this movie. Five out of five, easy. Nice. Emma, your prediction was harder for me. But, oh? but faithfully and without cheating, I did it before we started recording. Ooh. Uh, That's risky. With, with always the caveat that shortly in, I can change my mind if I wanted to. But Fair. I stuck with my original choice. Which was? And Emma, I predicted you give the movie this. Correct. <laughs> also five. I'm a big fan. <laughs> yeah, I knew as, as, as soon as you said the mask was your favorite... Yeah, and we started talking like, like oh, I don't have to change. erase that. <laughs> what did you initially have? I initially had five. Oh, good, good, yeah. good. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't sure, Sam. I was, I was worried. I didn't know if you would actually give it a five. Um, with you, I'm a sucker for Jim Carrey. Yeah. yeah. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> and many, uh, I don't have anything prepared for you. I, I wonder if it's going to be another one of these. I'm but, gonna. Can I guess? You, you certainly can. I would love it if Probably you did. Probably four. Probably a four. Four. Uh, Sam knows me better, and uh, this is a clean sweep for the Truman it, oh Show. It would appear that 58 fair. episodes in, I've learned Manny's you know preferences. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this... like, I still have some job security here. Yes, <laughs> yes. I'm not being replaced, not yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was a five for me as well. I, I okay. gave this, yeah. I'm pretty sure I gave this movie a five when I watched it back in 1998. It mm -hmm. was probably... Oh, wow, would have made my top 10 because this is the same year as Saving Private Ryan. God damn, I should definitely take a look. Well, when we do the Oscars that year, <laughs> we'll find out if it made my top 10. Um, I, I I love this movie. Uh, it was a great year for film that year anyways, but this mm -hmm. movie is spectacular. Like I said, there's not a lot that I can really pick apart. The All the all the leads or the main characters are great. And actually, rightfully so, all the other minor characters aren't that great because they're basically kind of background actors anyways. Mm -hmm. It's a well-shot film with a score from somebody I've never heard of and never heard from again, but it's one that I really enjoyed, uh, even though it didn't get a nomination. It's uh, it's a great movie that definitely sets up what, sadly, our reality nowadays has become. And yeah, that's This movie is directly responsible for the Kardashians. Oh, <laughs> fuck. Um, and really liable I, for that now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't, I can't, I don't know if you do remember though, Sam, um, we have watched another Peter Weir film. Uh, he's the guy that did master and commander. Oh, that's a really good movie. I'll yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this was an, a, a pretty easy five for me as well. I absolutely okay. love this movie. Cool. Easy peasy. Well, yeah. we can all agree. <laughs> Isn't <laughs> nice. that nice? I think there, that's, that's at least two clean sweeps. Cause I know inception was a clean sweep of, uh, of fives across the board. Uh, for uh, our, with our our guest shows with our guests, yeah. I'll definitely look into the history of that because I should have I should have everything written down. Yeah, that's right. I'll definitely. I don't have time to look at it. Well, maybe I do. If you guys, maybe if you, Sam should do it. If you guys, yeah, uh, that would right take now. weeks. If you guys vamp for a second, I can definitely it. check. Sorry, say again. If you guys vamp for a second, I'll check. All right. Well, I, I'd say this is a perfect time to uh, thank our lovely guest for coming on oh, the show. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. How, how, did, it, how did it feel? How did it feel? 
You know, I feel like it was a long time coming, and I put it off for a minute, but I'm so glad you I did it. You did put it off for I'm a minute. S- you took some convincing. You know, no, I was nervous. Yeah. I was nervous to come on, Don't, be with such great minds. I mean, I can't imagine why you'd be nervous. Literally nobody listens to this thing. <laughs> this is just us. Don't worry, I'm going to tweet about it, put it on my Instagram. You guys get, like, maybe four more followers. Oh, my God. That's, <laughs> oh, that, that would be amazing. That would increase our listener base by, like, 50%, 100 That's amazing. Well, I'm really <laughs> glad I did it. Thank you for having me again. It's our pleasure, and we do. Uh, we have our open-door policy. So I hope that I can please, come back. Please come on back. I will. <laughs> if I'm allowed, of course. 100%. Well, me and Manny right. will discuss that at another oh, yeah, we'll, for sure. Uh, we'll have a an have your little session. talk about me, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Do what we'll, you need to do. We'll gossip about you after we're done. Sip the tea. Exactly. Okay, I've got the, I've got the results. Okay. Uh, the only thing is, I'm actually I didn't write down our scores for Scarface with Adam. Uh, that I can tell you was not a clean sweep, though. Okay, so uh, Annihilation with Jordan, not a clean sweep. Mm. Yeah. Who rated it a four? Uh, you and I. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's a good movie. Jordan gave it a five. Prisoners with um, was that Rachel? Right? That was with Rachel. That was with Rachel. Yeah, with Rachel. Clean sweep. Fives across the board. Right. Cute. Okay. So that's everything. All right. Uh, wow. oh, do, 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 do. Um, yeah, like my partner just said, as I was trying to find out some uh, unruly stats, Emma, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, Thank Sam, you, Sam. Both both on air and definitely a hundred percent off has actually been raving about you and was Aww. very excited. To... I would never. I know. I sorry, have no idea what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, sorry. Right I don't mean to throw you under the bus. That's like nice to hear. He only ever makes fun of me. So. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was very excited to have you on. Uh, I was very excited to meet you, and you really have been an too. absolute pleasure to have on the show. And I really do hope that you do come back because I look forward. I to will. It. This has been so fun. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed because we loved having you on um my heart is so warm good so toasty. i'm glad <laughs> um so yeah definitely want to thank you for coming on uh, i'd like to thank our listeners you can definitely follow us on uh twitter and instagram at sam underscore manny underscore movie like and give us some great ratings on itunes to increase our profile for some reason i can't remember my whole social media spiel so i'm just gonna they tri- heard it whatever uh, yeah fuck it <laughs> if you want to listen to it rewind to the beginning of the show and listen to it there uh <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I again I'd like to say uh, thank you to Emma we're going to uh, sign off here for the Samuel and Manuel movie podcast I'm Manny Manuel good afternoon good evening and good night Aww. I'm Sam Reimer and I'm Emma Marion <laughs> <laughs> goodbye adios <laughs>
do this for a better show next time. Yeah, totally. I was uh, I was actually trying to think of like what other shows could we do if we even want to revisit other shows or something like that. But uh... well, hey, I'm like in the middle of a Breaking Bad rewatch rewatch right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You still have to. The one that actually popped up in my mind before we dive into Game of Thrones is uh, is doing Mindhunter. Yeah, it's funny. I was thinking the same thing. We could do Mindhunter next time. Yeah, and I I would love to do it just one week at a time as well. Uh, we should actually, what we should do is actually, as we talk about this on air, but who cares? Um, <laughs> yeah, we should have planned this out beforehand. Totally. We? But uh, I know that season two of Mindhunter is supposed to be coming soon. So I wonder if we can get a tentative release date. We could probably time it all together. Ooh, that'd be very interesting. Yeah, we can... uh, And let us know, uh, dear listener, if you have any shows you'd like us to review in this format as well. Yeah, but don't go, like, I... <laughs> Don't, pick Don't be going like Grey's Anatomy, like <laughs> eighteen season sort of shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, keep it keep it uh, realistic. What about Stranger Things? We could do Stranger Things. That's coming out soon. Oh, that's true. We could do that. Well, we could. Yeah, like you're you're just talking about just doing the newest season of Stranger Things, right? Yeah, that's right. Not necessarily like seasons one and two. Although that could be fun too. Mainly just the new season when it comes. Okay. Out. Yeah, I would I would be up for Stranger Things. Are we, as we t- again talk about this on there? Whatever, we're gonna do it anyways. Would yeah. you would you want to do it one episode per week again? I mean, why? I mean, we'll leave that up to the listener if they like this, which they shouldn't because all of the planning is happening on air. But if they like this sort of format, then you know, if the response is good, you know, we'll do it one episode at a time. I think it's worked well. I would I would be up for that instead of binging it when it comes out, forcing myself to watch one episode per week. I, I don't know if I'm going to be doing that, though. <laughs> I might have to... Oh, I, I don't know if I have that sort of uh, willpower to not watch that show all I, at once. I, I would, because it's this reminded me... And, and this this ties back into Game of Thrones. This reminded me of how much I enjoy weekly shows, is mm-hmm. letting it marinate for a week, watching maybe watching the episode a couple more times before the next one comes out, and, and anticipating the release of the new one. Now, even though we have complained, my anticipation was like, what are they going to fuck up now? Or, <laughs> or are they somehow going to save it? Now, granted, all they did was fuck it up more and they never saved it. Um, but I looked forward to seeing just one episode per week. So if we, if, if the fans enjoy these little discussions that we have about a show uh, with a Netflix show, which releases it all at once, I would be, I would be fine with going one episode per week. And I'd be fine if, if you didn't want to. But I think if that was the case, if we were going to continue with this format, one of us should at least not know what's going forward. And I'm, I'm okay with being that person. For Netflix shows in particular, it might be a better idea to just do it all like in one episode. Like do one episode on season three of Stranger Things, for example. Interesting. But I don't know. We can, we can discuss that another time, I guess. Yeah. And the listeners can let us know what they think, but yes. I'm, I'm, I'd be fine doing one episode per week. Sure, I'll, I'll hopefully uh, develop a spine before then, but we'll see. <laughs> I could. Under- so Manny, uh, I was going to ask oh. you uh, your overarching thoughts on uh, this past Sunday's episode, the series finale, last episode ever of Game of Thrones, season eight, episode six, The Iron Throne. However, uh, you've already sort of alluded that you were not such a big fan. Why is that? Uh, it's a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> nothing. Th- okay. Well. Uh, okay. You're you're asking about my opinion on the episode. 
Yeah, just like your the episode itself as a contained piece of art. How did you like it? <sighs> much like, <laughs> much like other episodes this season, there were some really great moments. As an episode, I wasn't a fan. Uh, no. I. <laughs> the death of arguably the most important character, if not top two, top three for sure. We are going to be spoiling it, so I mean, I can't imagine you've listened this long if you haven't watched it. But yeah. go watch season eight, episode six if you haven't watched it. Yeah. Man, he's about to say something big. Spoilers. Three, two, one, go fuck yourself. Okay. Uh, the death of the lead character, if not the lead. The second, and if you you could maybe convince me the third lead, and we're talking about Daenerys. Her death had zero effect on me. Zero. And that should not be the case. And the reason that it didn't affect me, it sorry, not affect, affect me, in any way, shape, or form, is because of the complete betrayal of this character this season. And the complete betrayal of this series this season. I'm honestly glad it's over. That's how I feel. I'm glad it's over. Because the last two seasons were tough to get through. And this season in particular was tough to get through. Okay, so it's looking like I'm going to have to be the one who defends this uh, season and episode, which is not going to be easy to do because I didn't like it either. But I'm going to attempt to play devil's advocate a bit. Um, if you consider this episode to be a turd, which I, 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 I don't, think, I don't think it's a turd. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think the case could be made like by a lot of people would make that case. I mean, it's a pretty low rated episode from what I'm seeing. It is, uh, oh, I had the ratings. Uh, I, I don't know. It's the lowest or second lowest rated episode of the season. Anyway, next to episode five, the bells. Holy um, shit. Really? Yeah, the so bells. It, oh man, I'm looking at the chart of the uh, Rotten Tomatoes score, which again, I wish they had this for Metacritic instead. But uh, it's just, it's just a, it's an incline. <laughs> it's it starts pretty high on episode one and goes way the fuck down for episodes five and six. Uh, the last two episodes were not well received at all. I wish I had the exact numbers there. But anyway, if you're going to make that case, which I'm not saying that you are, but if you were to make that case that the episode's a turd, I would say it's one of the best-looking turds I've ever seen on screen. It is a very, very well-shot episode. I'm just going to go right into my probably my favorite moment of the episode. It's the shot of Daenerys with the dragon behind her. How fucking cool was that? Yeah. Right? Like I, like I said, they've had amazing shots this year. Yeah. And I've kind of... I, th- I think part of the reason that I hate this season so much is I kind of started re-watching the show from the beginning and yeah. seeing how good it was to what it has become now I think has only elevated in how piss poor this season is. Yeah, I, I think this episode just kind of suffers from the same things that all the episodes in the season have suffered from. It's too rushed. Uh, it doesn't really respect the characters. It doesn't respect the arcs of these characters. Uh, it just feels like, well, let's put it this way. 
David Benioff and D.B. Weiss are the writers of uh, this episode and the directors of this episode. They wrote the entire season, only directed this episode. Um, apparently, they were told the ending that George R.R. R. Martin has the Game of Thrones. That's the author of the Game of Thrones series and, I guess, co-writer of some of the earlier episodes. Um, so they knew the ending that he had in mind, roughly. I guess they knew that Bran ends up on the throne. They knew that Jon kills Daenerys, these sorts of things. Uh, but they didn't necessarily know how he got there. That This episode really feels like that. You know what I mean? It's like they had the destination. They knew where the show was going, but they didn't have the proper setup for it, right? Like, Daenerys' arc of becoming the Mad Queen, sort of, and then Jon having to kill her to save the realm, to me, that just felt completely unearned. And I think that's why uh, you mentioned that Daenerys' death in this episode really doesn't have any weight. It's because it's just so unearned. If they had started planting the seeds for this a few seasons prior, yes. then yeah, like, okay, I, I can get on board with, uh, with this whole thing. And then, I, I don't know, I, I guess we can just talk about the endings for each character, but like, John getting sent to the Night's Watch. I don't know. Does that does that feel right to you? No, it's he got what he wanted. Yeah, and Grey Worm is just being a dick. Like, so Grey Worm is just a fucking asshole in this last season. I get he's upset because his queen's dead, but I mean his only character trait in the last several episodes is that he's a huge asshole and he hates Jon Snow. That's it. And then all Jon Snow does this entire season is kill Daenerys after saying "You are my queen" for like nine times an episode. So. I think Jon Snow's underutilized, and then him killing Daenerys has not been earned, and it hasn't been properly set up. Um, that's probably due to uh, Benioff and Weiss knowing the ending in advance, but not knowing how George R. R. Martin was going to prepare for it. That's my opinion. It's a fair opinion. <laughs> Honestly, like, the more I think about it, the, like, the complete turn of characters, the complete rush the complete rushing of everything is yep. it's hard. It, it's, it's really hard to watch. It's so hard to watch a show just fuck itself this bad. It was. <laughs> and, oh, okay. Let's, let's just go through, let's just go through the characters. Sure. Okay. So Tyrion. Yes. I don't know what I would have wanted for him. He gets to be the hand. So, again, he gets what he wants. Well, he, he doesn't want to be the hand, though. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he you does. You think he does? Yes, I think he does. He, Why is he, that? Because you can, see, you can see it in that scene where the council meets again. There's no reservations there. There's no... He's happy to set it up. He's... Ha- I, I understand the way that they play it in... Again, Peter Dinklage continues to astound me as an actor. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> fuck. <sighs> That's one thing I, I, I don't think you can get enough attention, by the way, is that a lot of these actors, it's since come out, since the season's come out, that a lot of them aren't happy with the ending, including Amelia Clark, who plays Daenerys, including Kit Harington, who plays Jon Snow, including Peter Dinklage... Uh, apparently a lot of them are unhappy with this ending, so I would just want to give a shout-out to them for giving probably the best performances of the entire series in this last season. There are some really great emotional scenes that 
completely ring hollow due to the writing, but are performed really well, in my opinion. Perfect. That's exactly where I'm going. Yeah, okay, awesome. So, the opening to this episode is Tyrion walking through the ashes of King's Landing. And as it's moving forward, I'm like, if he goes and fucking finds their bodies, I'm going to fucking lose my shit. Yeah. And where does he go? He goes and finds their bodies. Because either either the writing is this bad or they didn't trust the audience enough for him to just look at the Red Keep and weep knowing yeah. that his siblings are dead. So let's let's go with let's let's give them a benefit of the doubt and think that their writing isn't that bad. They just didn't trust the audience enough and they actually need Tyrion to go and find the bodies. Fine, it's a fucking trope. Hated it. But Peter Dinklage in the moment is spectacular. Yes. His, his acting over the loss of his siblings is great. I I I completely agree with you on everything you said. The thing I I actually laughed out loud during this scene because in if you recall in the last episode when Jamie and Cersei die, it's an avalanche of bricks on top of them. Mm-hmm. And when he goes into the dungeons or the tunnels or whatever wherever it is that he is, he literally removes three bricks from this <laughs> pile before seeing his brother's face. It's so fucking stupid it's really really bad writing and it's so incredibly well acted that it just made me sad because this is just a waste of a great talent and a great a great bit of acting for peter dinklage and i couldn't stop laughing because it was so stupid he removes three bricks from this avalanche that that fell on these people i I don't know it was really really dumb (laughs) also if you remember he didn't really have to go that far to get them so if they were like five feet to their left they would have survived yeah it's real. yeah there's there's areas on the floor where there's no bricks at all yes you'd think i thought he was at the very least going to be trudging through this sea of bricks just trying to find any sign of them i could have been on board with that but there are areas on the floor where there's just no bricks at all it's really dumb okay so look, uh, that's a highlight yes. um then his little um standoff with Daenerys where he throws the the pin away again great moment poor writing uh that i'm going to i'm going to stick with i'm going to stick with Tyrion okay sure um his monologue to the council of lords yeah, when he's uh, when he's prisoner after Daenerys has died. Yeah, whatever whatever they're calling themselves. Sure, sure. Do they have something that they're called? I don't think so. Just oh, the they're, Westerosi they're the aristocrats. The, they're, the, they're the heads of the main families yes. in uh, in Westeros, I guess. Which is funny. The Starks get three chairs at that. I know. I was just. I was literally. I have the same thing written down. Why do Arya, Sansa, and Bran all get to sit on the council? Like that. That doesn't seem fair to me. But also, what, you can't convince me. You can't convince me that the Tarleys are like a big family in Westeros. Like, why does does Sam really get a seat on that council? Whatever. Are there only eight families in Westeros? I don't know. It what, seems like there should be more. Whatever. And oh, okay. <sighs> okay, I'm gonna. We're, since we're on this fucking thing. Okay, sure, sure. Uh, may uh, full disclosure. 
to those okay. that don't know, I'm not a Game of of Game of Thrones super fan. I would never say I would never claim to be. It's a show I've enjoyed up until the last two seasons. So my knowledge of the lore, my knowledge of the rules, my knowledge is very, very limited. So, but I can't remember what Braun is the Lord of. He's the Lord of the Reach. The Lord of the no, isn't it? Isn't it like the most expensive, most highly sought after land? It's oh god, I'll get an answer for you. Two seconds. Okay, but if he's the Lord of that one. Shouldn't he be on this council? Like, it's this High Garden, isn't it? High Garden. Yeah, there you go. Thank there you. Okay, isn't that the same family that like? Oh God, damn it! The old broad. Didn't she used to have High Garden? Which broad? Uh, she was very old, but kind of oh. super cool. And Jamie killed her, I think. Olena Tyrell. Yeah. Right. I We're... think you're right. Yeah. Okay. So, if she was still alive, wouldn't she be on this council? Yes. So, if, so why wasn't Braun here then? I don't know. I guess because you need to have your comedic reveal of him being on the council at the end. Okay, so whatever. Like, again, this is me picking shit apart that I, again, full disclosure, I don't know a lot about. But whatever. Okay. It, Braun, it, yeah, sorry. Braun becomes the new Lord of Highgarden and Lord Paramount of the Reach under King Bran the Broken. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. Okay. So whatever. 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 Okay. I, th- that's me, I don't know, picking at things. <laughs> Tyrion gives a, a really good monologue. Some great acting and a great monologue, but it makes no sense. He He decides that the person with the best story should be king and the best story is bran yeah kind of think like if you really want to talk about the best story there's a guy that literally died <laughs> and came back to life yeah i that might trump being the three three eyed raven there's also best story i don't know like you've got aria you've got sansa their stories are pretty fucking spectacular <laughs> Yeah, Bran is far from the most interesting character. Bran might be... I mean, he's easily my least favorite Stark. It's not even close. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't he gone for an entire season? Yeah, I don't think he was in maybe season four. Maybe he's in one episode of season four or something like that. They had no idea what to do with this character. Well, it's a shit character. Okay, So I guess we're talking about Bran being king now. Okay, hold on. I'm not done with Tyrion. Okay, you're not done with Tyrion. Okay, so again, a great moment. Poor writing. Now, I did enjoy Bran's reason for making Tyrion the Hand. He has made mistakes, and he's going to spend his lifetime fixing them. I did enjoy that. I like that. It was a great reason. I hate that Bran's king, but I love the reason why Tyrion's the Hand. It's a great finish, but again, Tyrion, I don't have specifics, but my memory of his being the hand to Daenerys isn't exactly a great resume to have. Didn't he make nothing but poor decisions? Like trusting his sister and 
Uh, I wish I could yeah. think of some other ones. Well, yeah, let's let's talk about Tyrion for the last couple of seasons. All he has done has, is encourage people to trust Cersei or to try to reason with Cersei. So for the first four seasons, he's well aware that Cersei hates him. In her eyes, he's killed her dad, uh, her children. Uh, so in in she thinks that he killed Joffrey. Uh, she thinks that he's responsible for the death of Marcella indirectly. Mm -hmm. uh, she thinks that he killed their mother, their father. She does not like Tyrion is the bottom line. So for the first four or so seasons, Tyrion knows this and does not try to reason with her ever, not even a little bit. Yep. He knows that she is hateful and will always hate him and will always want him dead. So then it doesn't make any sense that for seasons seven and eight, um, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of going back into ancient history here, but like yep. the plan to go beyond the wall and get the zombie is so stupid. It's yes. the stupidest decision that's made probably the entire season, and that's saying something. This season, he tries to reason with Cersei outside of the walls of King's Landing for some reason, and she doesn't kill him, which is another stupid thing we didn't really cover in that episode. But for the last at least two seasons, arguably longer, Tyrion has been just there. He His character arc is that he made it to go serve Daenerys. He made some pretty shitty decisions, and she almost killed him for it. And honestly, who could blame her? Because he did some really dumb shit. He encouraged her on numerous occasions to trust Cersei which season one Tyrion would never have done, not even a little bit. Yeah. So he ends up as the Hand, which, while he says in that scene that he doesn't want it, his demeanor and actions in the scene when he's sitting on the council betrays that very thought. Plus, we know that he's... I, I'm pretty sure at some point prior on, he talks about how he just wants to be the Hand. Like, not the hand for Bran, but when he was the hand, he loved it and all that. So Tyrion gets what he wants. And again, seasons one through four, Tyrion's brilliant. But later on, he, he kind of makes a lot of dumb decisions. So whatever. Okay. And I mean, he does, to the writer's credit, he does have a little monologue in this scene, or part of his monologue when he's rejecting the role of hand originally. He does say, you know, I thought I was a... I thought I knew what was wise, but I didn't. I thought I knew what was good, but I didn't. And he sort of admits his shortcomings, but that might also just be the writers kind of bailing themselves out a little bit. I yeah. don't know. It, it could be. All right. So that's that's my thoughts on Tyrion. Okay. All right. Hmm. Let's well. Mm -hmm. Let's go to let. Mm -hmm. Let's go to Sansa. Okay. Doesn't have a lot. In this episode. Um, but. <laughs> and again. She gets what she wants. Which is the. She gets to be queen of the north. They're an independent. Kingdom that nobody has a problem with. The other six are like. We have. We'll be. We'll be under King Bran. You go do your own thing. We, we will not complain. Yeah, meanwhile Yara Greyjoy. You just know is like. Wait that was an option. To just separate as a kingdom. Fuck. Yeah. Wishing she spoke last. Speak. Uh, quick transition to uh, 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 <laughs> shit. What's her name? You just said it. Yara Greyjoy. Yara, thank you. I love that she's still loyal to Daenerys. Yeah, that's fucking sweet. I really it, like that. Yeah, that's totally it, in character. Yeah, it shows the honor she said 
that she was her queen and even and I love that she showed loyalty to that um I loved it it, it was a, a great little line I love that she was still doing that because this is supposed to be a world where your word is important mm-hmm and uh and so well that's uh, that's why jamie is such a hated man in this sh- in this show is because he's the kingslayer he's the oathbreaker he's man without honor you yep. know he has he he broke his word to the king of all people yeah so that, even like, though that's yeah even though him doing so was for the betterment of the realm it doesn't matter yeah exactly and that's what i love and that's why <laughs> that, and that's why so many of the protagonists break their word and like n- nobody bats an eye Oh, totally. And, well, I mean, look at the most honorable characters in this show. Ned Stark, dead. Rob Stark, dead. Oh, I miss... Jon Snow, idiot. Re- uh, at least in the last couple of seasons, he's an idiot. Rewatching the early episodes where Rob is still alive is hard for me. Cause he <laughs> he's wa- so honorable and good. You just want good things for him. I do. He was That was my favorite character. And why, never forget. And seeing him alive is just, I'm like, oh, hello, Robert. The North remembers. The North does remember. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Sansa, I, I will say this. Sophie Turner's really impressed me as an actress over the course of this show. and I Total really, improvement. Total improvement. And I love the arc of Sansa as well. Um, I, I really enjoy how strong she's become. This is the person I would have, I really wish would have um, won it all and sat on the iron throne i think she would have been a, a great leader i mean she's still the queen yeah just she's still, not of the seven kingdoms yeah just of the north and that's great but i just found i just found it i like that she just declares she's like uh we're our own kingdom uh and and no nobody says a word side note what it would have been so hard to just include a tiny tiny little moment in in that scene where she where she separates and then Tyrion th- then goes to crown Bran. He says, "All hail Bran the Broken, King of the King of the Six Kingdoms." I wish that he would have stumbled over that just a little bit. I wish he would have gone, "All hail Bran the Broken, King of the si- King of the Six Kingdoms." Yes, you know, because it's so new. I don't know if you want to include a little comedy in there, which this show is. This episode is full of comedy. I might add, there's a couple of comedic scenes towards the end. Um, whether or not you think that's good, we'll get to. But I wish they would have included at least that. At least I thought that would have been funny. That's just me. Oh, yes. Also, speaking on behalf of this council, why the fuck is Davos there? Yeah, he even says, I'm not sure I have a vote. I'm pretty sure he's literally just there to say that line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Sansa gets what she wants. She's Queen of the North, fine. I don't have a problem with it. Uh, any Anything you'd like to add about Sansa? Not really. I mean, she sort of suffers from the same thing that Tyrion does, unfortunately. She's not as dumb as he is in later seasons, but we're kind of just told that she's smart, and we kind of just have to take that. We kind of just have to accept, okay, she's a really smart character on Game of Thrones, and then, you know, move along with it. But I can't remember seeing her do anything particularly smart. No amazing plotting like we see from, like, Cersei or Tyrion in earlier the, seasons. The, ca- the, the catching of Littlefinger. Okay, the catching of little things. But that's the only one I can think of. Yeah, I mean, she mistrusts Danny, but like, who cares? Like, being being suspicious of people isn't the same as being cunning. Like, it's a it's a very different thing. So yeah, being suspicious of Littlefinger and being suspicious of Danny, I don't think make you a smart person. 
Yeah. I, I don't know. If, if they're smart things to do, then I, I don't know. I like. Let's just say this: the bar for being smart in this show has changed drastically from season one to season eight. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Okay, that's that's all I have to say about Sandra. Okay, Arya. How does her ending make any sense whatsoever, Arya Stark? I I don't understand the ending to this character. I really liked in episode five, we touched on this, uh, her final scene with the Hound is really touching. And when she says, Sandor, thank you. That's a great moment, really well acted. I liked it. Um, I understand that she's a lone wolf and, you know, she kind of does whatever the fuck she wants. But why does it make sense for her to become an adventurer all of a sudden? Like, is it, are they making an Arya spinoff? Like, it just seems insanely open-ended for some reason. Yeah, um, I actually don't have a problem with it because to me that's true to her character. She's I don't, always, she's I don't always see why said it is, though. Like, I understand she's a lone wolf and she kind of does what she wants, but I, I don't understand why she has to go west of Westeros. Like, why she becomes like an explorer, sort of. That doesn't seem true to me, at least, or it doesn't seem effectively set up i i feel it's completely effectively set up where else is she gonna go she she's said throughout the entirety of her entire existence she doesn't want to be a lady she has no right. desire to be in the court she that's that's not who she is so what else would there be for her so her going on an adventure to go see what's not been seen to me makes sense yeah but i mean if there's one thing that wasn't set up with her, like when I think of Arya, I don't think the word curious or adventurous or anything like that, you know, like none of those qualities were really set up with her throughout the show. This, this is just off the top of my head, but I mean, she could have become like a member of Sansa's Queensguard or something. Maybe, maybe that's, I mean, that's off the top of my head. That's probably bad, but no, that, you know, that, like again, that doesn't, I don't think that appeals to her. But, she's a, I mean, she's a train, she's a trained assassin. Yeah, like, she, that wouldn't be her being a lady, though. To be a guard doesn't sound like something you'd want to do. I don't know. She's a fucking badass killer. She can do whatever she wants. I, I don't know. I, it, maybe I just maybe I'm just upset because I wanted something more concrete for her character. I wanted to know what she's gonna be doing. Like she's there's just nothing. It's like they didn't know what to do with her. So it was like they were like, yeah, she can just fuck off to the west and do something. I. I don't know. It it didn't feel right to me because she's not an adventurer. She's not an explorer. I don't know. Like, she's a badass assassin. Make her, I don't know, do badass assassin shit. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm complaining about nothing. Maybe I'm looking for shit to complain about. No, that's fine. I, 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 it's rare that you and I disagree. I completely agree with your uh, assessment of that. <laughs> Uh, um what what else does she do in this episode i mean it's i will say it's pretty badass we were talking about yara how we like how yara was still loyal to daenerys uh, uh aria then tells her uh if you say one more word about killing my brother i'll cut your throat and that's sort of a like a, a badass moment i thought yep yeah um uh davos doesn't do anything doesn't there's have... a lot of that going around though yeah <laughs> Davos is basically there to uh again to be he's essentially been uh 
demoted to comic relief at this point, which is really upsetting. Davos is a really funny character, and his act his actor has really good delivery on a lot of these lines. Yes. Um, but yeah, he had so much more to do. He was he was brave, and he was noble, and he was honest, and like, where's all of that? You know, like there's so many character traits of him. Like, yes, he's a funny guy, and he's been funny since he was introduced in like season two or whatever it was, but. Damn, there's more to him than just sitting around and calling Braun the Lord of Lofty Titles, which I admit is like a really funny line. I, I laughed at the final scene where they're all at the table together um, between Davos and Braun and Tyrion and, and Sam and all them. Um, but yeah, Davos, I was uh, disappointed in the end to his arc. Like, what does he have to do this entire season? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, Samuel Tarly. Isn't he still sworn to the Night's Watch? Am I crazy? Like, just because all of his brothers died doesn't mean he gets to not be a member of the Night's Watch anymore. He, he swore an oath, right? Like, I am the shield that guards the realms of men. And then at the end, he's he's a maester in yeah, uh, yeah, but King's he, Landing. Yeah, but remember, he's he's a he's one of the main protagonists, so his when he breaks an oath, it's okay. <laughs> I did forget that. You're right. That's, yes. that's true. Yeah, so he's 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 fine. He, he, yeah, why doesn't he have to go to the wall with John? It makes no sense. Yeah, well, he got what he wanted, and nobody cares, and that's fine. And we we don't see Gilly or Sam again. I might add. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Or Gilly or Gilly and Sam Junior. I I should say. Oh. We don't see them again. If he's a Maester, is he allowed to be with them? I don't know. I think we see Maesters and brothels and shit. I I feel like Maesters probably have to swear a vow, but nobody really gives a shit. I don't know. Kind of like oaths. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, Brienne of Tarth. Uh, does nothing. The scene where she's uh, writing in the in the Book of Nights or whatever it is that it's called. Uh, I think that's a really good scene where she's writing about Jamie. I fucking hate that. We mentioned this last episode. But I'm going to say it again. The way Jamie's arc ends is criminal. Uh, what they did to his character. Mm-hmm. I could not be more pissed off about what they did to Jamie's character, how he basically fucks and shucks Brienne for no reason and goes back to Cersei after eight seasons of character development to him being a good person. I don't know. Yep. So the scene where Brienne writes all of his deeds in the book is great. It's also a very nice callback to uh, an episode uh, several seasons prior where Joffrey is uh, basically roasting Jamie to his face. He opens up the Book of Nights and he's seeing all these great deeds that everyone's done. And he says, Uncle, why is your page empty? Somebody must have forgotten to write down all your great deeds. And I, I thought that was a, a, it's a sick burn in the moment. And then uh, Brienne totally, uh, totally fills it up. It's, a, it's an emotional scene. Only the second best scene with Brienne this season, I might add. The first being... Hmm. Yes, when she gets knighted. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Phenomenal scene. Honestly, it might be the highlight of the season for me. If we can just pretend that the season ended there, you know, I, I could be happy. Because, again, I don't understand what the point is of keeping Brienne, especially in retrospect. Why is Brienne still alive after the Battle of Winterfell? Oh, you know? Can we n- let's not go back there. Okay. <laughs> I just don't understand why all these characters didn't die if at the end none of them do anything, why do we still have Davos if Davos doesn't do anything? Why do we still we have need Brienne comic relief. Brienne doesn't do anything? We need Davos for comic relief. We have Braun for that. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> right. Anyway. Uh, okay. Well, no. Braun. What, what's your thoughts on Braun? 
I, uh, you know, if he's been comic relief for eight seasons now, so I'm okay with it. Like, I kind of like the arc that he takes of just ascending to power through being an asshole and yep. through being a cutthroat and uh, and just a general douchebag. I kind of like that plot line, to be honest with you. And by the end, all of the debts have been repaid. And again, there's that great scene at the end where uh, he, him and Davos sort of have a back and forth and uh, him and Brienne sort of have a back and forth as well. And he's he's clearly a fish out of water in this uh, in this noble world, but he doesn't really give a fuck. He's just kind of winging it. You know what I mean? Yep. Grey Worm. Yeah, I already mentioned I already mentioned this. Again, we've had a couple of days to reflect on this, and I've spent the last two days basically browsing uh, Game of Thrones memes on Reddit. Uh, but there was uh, somebody said something to the effect of uh, Grey Worm's character arc is he starts without a dick and ends up being one. It's something to that effect, and I, I say that's pretty perfect. I, I get that he comes from a bloodthirsty uh, people. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I guess it's fine. He's loyal to his queen. He finishes being loyal to his queen. His only purpose in this final episode, basically, is to be the guy that forces John to go back to the wall. Does that make sense? Yep. I don't know. I have I have nothing else for him. Yeah. All right. So we got three left. I'm gonna start with Bran. Yeah. Hated that he was named king. Hated it. He's one of the worst characters on the show. Yeah. Not just this season. No. No. Now, I don't... I'm gonna... I'm I'm gonna give it as a combination of both the performance by the actor and the writing of this character. I feel like, in fairness to the actor, he's being performed exactly as he's supposed to, right? He's supposed to be dull and lifeless, right? I don't... Well, wasn't Max von Sydow... One of the three-eyed ravens, he didn't seem boring. It's true. It's very true. But again, again, I am no uh, Game of Thrones uh, uh, maester. I don't know everything. I'm no three-eyed raven. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not deep into the lore. I'm not deep into the mythology. So perhaps nice. this is, perhaps this is the way that Bran's supposed to be. If that's the case, well, then you've written yourself a very boring and uninteresting character. And uh, I hate to see him um, uh, uh, as the king of the six realms. Can we just talk about how his powers as the three-eyed raven have basically not come into effect in the slightest? He spends like five seasons literally going beyond the wall, learning to become the three-eyed raven, learning how to see everything, and nothing happens with it. Like at all. Basically, it just becomes him predicting everything. So... like the, when they get he the, he learned uh, about John's true heritage, which also amounts to nothing. I might <laughs> add. I, I'm glad that you brought that up because those are two of the biggest things that I hated that n- did not come of anything in this season. John's heritage meant nothing other than pissing off Danny. Uh, Bran's superpowers are completely unused, and one that I forgot to mention when we were talking about Arya, but she kills Walder Frey with her face power thingy that she has, that she learned from the Faceless Men. She kills Walder Frey at the uh, season premiere of episode, or uh, season premiere of season seven, sorry. And then she never uses that power again. They did not think that would come in handy again. So I don't, I, I, I don't know why all those things were included. 
why include that John's a Targaryen if nothing comes of it? Why include that Bran knows everything if he doesn't help them with anything? <laughs> he does not help them at any given point. And uh, Arya doesn't kill people with her sweet face-removing powers. I really hate all of those things. <laughs> I like all those points. I will not dispute Thank you. them. I've had a lot of time to stew on this season. Mm-hmm. So uh, both of us are not fans of Bran being the king. Not particularly. Oh. Could they not come up with a better name than Bran the Broken? What about Bran the Raven? No? Not as Anything? illiterate? Or just king bran i don't know sounds like a good cereal <laughs> king bran bran the broken part of a balanced breakfast yeah i don't whatever <laughs> he is broken i guess i don't know whatever this seems kind of fucked up to reduce a guy to his handicap when he literally knows everything Tyrion bran the, the tiny Tyrion the tiny i guess <laughs> that's true uh that leads us to the two which we've we've touched on John. Jon Snow got what he wanted. So let's talk about Daenerys. <laughs> so there's two things to talk about Daenerys in this episode. One, okay. The the epic shot of of her with the dragon behind her. Epic. Which was so fucking cool. So beautiful. And her little, uh, almost, uh, dare I say, uh, Hitler-esque speech. It's it's very clear use of, <laughs> you know, Nazi symbology. I don't think that's even debatable that they're trying to evoke sort of a Hitlerish sort of vibe. I don't think that's even debatable. Uh, uh, Well-performed uh, by Amelia Clark. Yeah, I, I want to, again, we've talked about the great acting. Amelia Clark has easily been the weakest point of the acting in Game of Thrones through several of the first seasons, probably up until this season. Let's just talk about the fact that she gives this massive rally speech in not one, but two made-up languages. <laughs> she speaks part of it in uh, High Valyrian and part of it in Dothraki, which is crazy to me that she just like learned these made-up languages and speaks them like they're her first tongue. It's pretty nuts when you think about it. Her performance, actually, I, I think her performance is raised every time she uses a different language. Yeah, completely. It's probably because we can't understand the subtleties of it. I agree. Like we do with English. I agree. Um, so it's it, it's it's a well-done scene by her, uh, the, the speech, and the intensity in which she provides it. So, you know, thumbs up. Then we'll go to the second part of this episode with Daenerys. And this is where we find out that the Iron Throne has survived the uh, the napalm attack of the dragons. Yes. Um, John shows up. They have a, 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 a nice little, uh, little chit-chat about uh, how Daenerys is going to decide what's good for the world. John pleading, uh, as he does, because uh, he's a little bitch boy. And uh, they embrace. And you get that moment of, who stabbed who? And, uh, and John has, uh, has uh, killed his queen. And then we get <laughs> Drogon coming in. Who 
is either the smartest dragon of all time or the dumbest dragon of all time. Cause he, Why is that? Well, if he's the smartest, he, uh, he sees that his mother is killed, and he turns and melts the Iron Throne. Yes, because he understands that it was really power that killed Daenerys, and the Iron Throne is a symbol for the power that corrupted her. And yeah, I'm I'm just joking because a dragon shouldn't be able to understand all of this. Right. So <laughs> if he if he saw that, or he sees the sword sticking out of his mom, and he sees this thing with a bunch of swords in it, so that's why he melts it. It was the uh, it was this chair. I didn't. That, I wasn't even on the same wavelength as you on that one. This but yeah, chair is what killed his mother. And so that's why he melted it. I fucking hated that this dragon melts the chair. I that's fucking canon now. It, it is now canon that it. Drogon thought the chair killed Daenerys. <laughs> yes. I choose to believe that. Me too. <laughs> so it was kind of sweet that he was poking at the body a little bit. Echoes of uh, Simba and Mufasa, I thought. Yeah, yeah, and then he takes her away. I don't understand why Drogon didn't kill John. I guess it's because uh, John's again got on his super indestructible plot armor. Um, and even if, uh, for you D and D fans out there, even if Drogon Drogon rolled a critical hit, it was still not going to uh, take away uh, any hit points from John. So his yeah, plot armor. Even if you rolled a nat twenty. Yeah. Yeah, even if you rolled a nat 20, it still wasn't going to hurt John. That's so. like the only thing I know about D&D, by the way. So I'm really happy I could take part in this nerdy reference you're making. I don't... <laughs> Side note, I've actually never played D&D. I've always... Oh, we're just a couple of posers. Yeah, a uh, total poser. I've, I've often wanted to, but as I've stated, I don't give two shits about the <laughs> fantasy genre. So I don't know how well I'd be actually able to roleplay in D&D but just play the game as some type of character and just roll and fucking play it would probably be fun. But if I'd actually have to interact and stuff like that, that's where the hard part for me would be. Anyways, moving on. I've, uh, I've been trying to, I've been trying to find a specific part uh, from a season two episode, actually, while we've been talking about this, there is a vision that Daenerys has when she enters the house of the undying in season two, where she sees the throne covered in snow or ash or something to that effect. And uh, she reaches out to touch it, but is interrupted by the roar of a dragon. And then I think her vision ends or something like that. Oh, That's a nice that, little callback. Is that where there, that creepy wizard guy stole the dragons? Yeah, yeah, that was, I think that was that. All right, well, whatever. Season two, Daenerys did not have a lot to do. People don't realize that or don't want to admit that. Yeah, so... <sighs> Drogon and Daenerys fly away. They make a reference to Drogon later on, saying he was seen east <sighs> I the death of a major character at the hands of another major character and I honestly didn't care that's how bad this show has become we're looking well, I mean, she she fucking had it coming and we all saw it coming right like I, i'm it's not just me like this is this was kind of predictable given the events leading up to this point right yeah i'm looking at this list uh, i'm looking at wikipedia 
and the list of the main cast. And they have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. So it's 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, 20. They have 22 people listed as main cast. Okay. I'm looking at the ones on here that have died. And none of them affected me. This... Jamie, no. Cersei, no. Daenerys, no. Jamie and Cersei's death... The more I think about it, I wish it had affected me because I think it was uh, as much of a uh, as much of a, a, the turn it was for Jamie to to go there. I, again, I've just tried to look at it as she's his addiction, and yeah. that allows me to somewhat accept the way it did. Right. Even then, it, it's hard, but like. Their death could have been something beautiful together. It wasn't. Uh, Daenerys's death should have been something massive. It wasn't. To me, again, this is my opinion. Uh, Missande, no. Nice moment, but no. Theon should have been an epic moment. Should have been. What a great... I, what I a like great, Theon. I, I know... I'm not saying I don't like Theon. I just... His death meant nothing to me. I, I liked Theon's death, to be honest with you. That was, I personally thought, that's going to be another point of disagreement between you and me, because I thought his death was one of the better moments of the season. To I'm, be honest with I'm, you. I'm so glad that you feel that way. <laughs> but I, I'm, under, I'm under full acknowledgement that because of last season being such a fucking disappointment to me, that I, I don't think anybody's death would have affected me this year. I don't think anybody. Except, I, I, you know what? I'll take it back. If they had actually killed John, I actually wouldn't have been sad. I would have, it would have elicited a happy response from me. Mm -hmm. Because I was so tired of his fucking plot armor. Yeah, well, yeah, because, uh, I mean, let's talk a little bit about John. I guess we've, we've only kind of touched on him. I mean, we've touched on him in previous episodes, too. But, again, he continues his theme of basically only having one line of dialogue to the entire episode. He... he can't kill Daenerys without giving her one final, you will always be my queen. Like, holy shit, are you ever a broken record this season? He has nothing to do. So, I mean, he kills Daenerys and makes the tough decision, I guess. But, I mean, it doesn't seem like much of a decision. I mean, characters and uh, character arcs are defined by the decisions that characters make. And... It seemed like a no-brainer, at least for me. I don't know. It, it would have seemed so out of character for Jon if he just let Tyrion die and let Daenerys rule, right? Like, mm -hmm. like there was there was no... At, at no point, arguably in this entire season, did anybody make a tough choice that defined their character. I can't think of a single one. Yeah. I can't think of a single... Tr maybe... I mean, off the top of my head, Tyrion releasing Jaime to find who he was. But, I mean, that's a, that's even a stretch there. I can't think of a difficult choice that a character made this season. Yeah. Off the top of my head. I don't know. That's just something to think about. Because, I mean, characters make difficult choices all the time. Like, from, like, episode one, Ned Stark beheads a guy who's begging for his life telling him the, that the White Walkers are coming. That's a tough decision to make, but he does it because he thinks it's the honorable thing to do because this man broke a vow. That shows you character right there, first episode, first moment of the season. But nobody makes any tough decisions this season. 
Yeah, because that. Would I don't know if that sparks a conversation. It's just something that I feel. That would require good writing. It would require good writing. Which is funny because, if I'm not mistaken, Benioff and Weiss wrote a lot of the stuff at the beginning of the season. Granted, they had the books to fall back on. And if I'm not Benioff, mistaken, Weiss the... and George R. R. Martin, I think, wrote most of the show, if I recall correctly. But George R. R. Martin had the books like he, he yes. was the author of the book yes. so he they were basically just adapting his material correct and i think the show departs from the books around season five season six because yeah because the the show passed where the books were yeah so whatever okay so we've pretty much talked about everybody we've pretty much covered this show this sorry this episode i, I don't know like do you want to talk about this season? I've I've made my feelings on this season pretty apparent. Yeah, I mean, as a, as a final conclusion for the season, as a wrap-up for me, I mean, it's a pretty disappointing conclusion, obviously. I don't think they did a lot of the characters justice that they could have. I, I don't think John had anything to do this season. I thought that uh, Daenerys' uh, turn into the Mad Queen was completely unearned. Uh, if they wanted to go that direction, they should have started setting it up a hell of a lot sooner. And by the way, I've seen some people online saying that, oh, what are you talking about? They did foreshadow it because of all the evil shit. Like, she crucified people before, and she, and uh, when her brother got killed in season one, like, she just watched coldly as he got molten hot gold poured on his head. And like, yeah, all that's true. But this is a show where executions happen regularly. Even the noble people execute people. Ned Stark, Rob Stark, Jon Snow, they all execute people in cold blood. And that's just what the show does. Like, just because Daenerys watched people get executed or executed people for being evil doesn't mean that her then burning hundreds of thousands of children alive then makes sense i just want to clarify that point real quick um so yeah her plot was completely unearned that being said the season had some very good moments the knighting of brienne which i will note uh that episode was actually written by brian cogman not by benny Offenweiss. um so that moment was really good um the cinematography is unfortunately beautiful through this entire season. It would be a lot easier if just everything was bad, but uh, the cinematography is some of the best I've seen in TV ever. With the exception um, of episode three. Yes, that's right. I think, you know what? I, I really hope that episode three <laughs> looks better on like Blu-ray or something. I'm really hoping just the streaming made it look bad. Yeah, that's I, what a lot of people have said is that the the de the decompression, the compression, the decompression of the of the uh, the streaming and of the signal is what's caused uh, it to be so dark. So when it comes out on Blu-ray, I will be buying it because I'm a completist, so I need to have the full collection. Sadly, I'll be giving them more of my money, so whatever. Um, yeah. But uh, I'll, we'll, I'll, I'll revisit it. Will I? Yeah. I don't know. Probably <sighs> Yeah, so that, that's all I have to say about season eight, really. It's a disappointing conclusion to arguably one of the best shows of the 21st century. Um, yeah, like seasons one through six, some people had this up there with Breaking Bad. Not me, and it's certainly not you, Manny, but some people had this up there with Breaking Bad for like one of the best shows uh, of, of our generation. And it's clearly declined from that from that perch. Yeah, this... <sighs> I'll tell you right now, this I could hold this in the same breath again. Full disclosure, this is my opinion. 
I could hold I could have held this in the same breath as Breaking Bad. For those of you that don't regularly listen to the show, I've often cited Breaking Bad as the greatest work of art that I've ever experienced. Um, this could have been held in the same breath as Breaking Bad seasons one through six. The last two seasons have completely muddied and wrecked the show for me that I could not, there's no way I could possibly have it in the same breath. That being said, Game of Thrones is still a great show. Um, I will, at some point, I'm going to pick back up rewatching the entirety of it. Um, but we have so much homework coming up in the next couple months for this podcast that I, I need to toss my Game of Thrones watching to the side and, and focus more on getting my shit done in prep for some upcoming episodes. God, and I'm going to need to rewatch Stranger Things in addition to all that too. Fuck me. Yeah, right? But I'm pretty sure Stranger Things won't be coming out until about September or so. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Right. I, 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 I would point. assume it's going to come out close to Halloween. Like, that would make sense. <sighs> yeah, true. You're probably right. Season three. Is there anything you want else, uh, anything else you want to touch on before we go? Okay, so I know that my opinions on Game of Thrones are in the minority. I know that most people fanboy over the show and they love it. Granted, most people, from what I've understood, haven't really enjoyed uh, the this final season. But... Uh, I was I was hugely amongst the people that we know, in, like in our social circles. I was in the minority for not liking season seven. I, I if you recall, I was very lukewarm on yep. season seven. But I flat out hated it, flat yeah. out hated it. And this I, season's worse than that one. Yes, but I was I was being chastised and argued to constantly by other people about really? my feelings on season seven and i'm like well i'm like great I'm, I'm i'm so glad that you enjoyed season seven if you got entertainment and by you i'm using as a pejorative i'm like not you sam but like you as in the general population yeah i'm like if all the people out there if you watch season seven of game of thrones and were entertained and you're like oh my god i fucking love this show it's still the greatest thing on tv that is awesome i'm so happy for you I do not share that feeling whatsoever. And season eight just reaffirmed my feelings for it and drove it home even harder. I am now glad that this show is over. Yeah, it's reached a natural conclusion. Or it's reached its it's reached the end of its lifespan, I guess I should say. Yeah, I I'm just glad it's over. I'm I'm done with this show. I I was so in a matter of two seasons, this show went from pro easily could have been in my top five if not top three to I, I wouldn't even i won't consider it for being one of the best shows i've ever watched no will you watch uh the prequel series that will come out so they're going to make a, a series as far as i know about uh, robert's rebellion yes yes i will yeah i'm happy to, i'm happy to give it a chance because it's But actually, well, no, I'll give it a chance. I was going to say, I'm like, I know that uh, uh, Benioff and Weiss won't be a part of it. Not that they're the problem, but I don't know how much George R. R. Martin's going to be a part of it. He'll obviously be an executive producer because it's based off of his world. But I don't know how much he'll be a part of the building of the world or the characters and stuff like that. So we'll see. Am I, am I, I'll, dip, I'll give the first season a chance. And then we'll see. By the way, uh, 
uh, season three of Stranger Things premieres the 4th of July, 2019. Oh, we're fucked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna have some catching up to do. All right. Well, for you listeners out there, if you want us to talk about uh, Stranger Things, let us know. Sam or I, another show. I don't yeah. know. We need ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Sam and I can discuss off air. I, I have a, another idea that we can do for for that. Um, yeah. All right. Sam and Manny will return in episode 59, the 74th Academy Awards. <laughs>